prepare, respond, serve. This is Five Stone. The contents of this podcast are the personal opinions and views of Five Stone and our affiliates. This is not a recommendation for medical practice or a guide for decision-making or even to take place for your own personal judgment. We recommend that you always seek out in-person professional training and always follow your established policies and procedures. Now, with that said, let's get after it. All right, guys, welcome back to Five Stone. Uh, This is Eric and John, and we have a very special guest today with us that we are just tickled to death to have here. Mr. Andrew Cooper Ryder. Well, hey, thank you for having me on. And, uh, you know, this pot of coffee you made, uh, yeah. better than the last one. <laughs> so <laughs> You did a pretty good job well, on I appreciate this one. it. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, so Andrew got here today, and I tried to do something. Uh, I'm trying to learn. So I never had poured over coffee until I went to Brood in Lexington. So I went out, and I got this uh, just for today. And uh, I should have just waited till you got here because the first batch was not very good. <laughs> So we had a whole chemistry lesson on the right way to make coffee, and uh, I'm getting there. Slowly, no, sure. no, it worked good. in a pinch. Oh, do what? It worked in a pinch. That's right. Yeah, <clears throat> but it's a uh, it's good coffee. I appreciate you, man. So we got Andrew on the show today to um, bring awareness, I guess, to kind of what's uh, been going down all across the country, especially here in Kentucky, and how it impacts uh, the citizens of the state, how it impacts our businesses and our families. And kind of what you've done to uh, overcome some challenges that you've faced and how that can maybe help other people to overcome some challenges, not only here in Kentucky, but across the country, kind of what you're doing. And kind of bring to light the seriousness of the matter so people that's listening to this understands um, really on a deep level uh, that can empathize, not just sympathize, but empathize with the struggle that's going on with everybody that's having to suffer through these hard times right now. That's what we're here for today. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, family, all this, kind of where you're at now with food sure. and everything. Just kind of go through it, man. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I actually grew up uh, outside of Cleveland in a little town called Chardon, Ohio. And I moved to Lexington when I was like 16, 17. Um, I did one year of high school, actually, in, in Lexington. Yeah. So, but uh, no, I mostly grew up there up in... Uh, Northeastern Ohio. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I graduated high school and I just kind of did some different stuff until I found out I was pretty good at sales. And I did door to door sales actually for <laughs> years and years and years. I sold vacuums for two years. Door-to-door. Really? Yeah, I did. Uh, so that old shame in the game, hey, man. Hey, That's it, was, fine. it was rainbow vacuums, right? That's all right uh, yeah. Hey, I was doing okay. So we, um, were, Kind of looking around, and we came across a, a restaurant that was for lease. Uh, that was a good situation uh, in Wilmore, Kentucky. And you know, we said, okay, let's let's look at this restaurant uh, business and and kind of see where that is. You know, uh, it was a different type of business than what we were doing, um, and so it was something we were interested in trying out. And in 2019 August of 2019 ish, right around there, yeah. is when we um, started the restaurant there in Wilmore. So, yeah. and you know, I'm married, so I have my wife, and she'd been a server for seven, eight years, and I'm a pretty good cook and stuff. And so, we what kind type of, of restaurant was it? 
It was, uh, see, it was, it was like a pizza kind of burger kind of place. See, the town of Wilmore, <laughs> huge, is is so big. Let me tell you. But yeah. No, we were. Uh, it is a tiny town for those <laughs> yes, who is. don't. We've been there. Town. Yeah, yeah. Done um, training there. Yeah, you you blink going yep. through it. And you, you've seen it all. But it had only a Chinese food place open for dinner up until we opened. So we opened, and and part of the reason why you didn't have a lot of restaurants was because, quite honestly, you can't, um, there's no kitchens. And so in order to build out a a full kitchen, uh, it's a $50,000, $60,000 investment. In a small town, that's a lot to invest on a a whim. Wow. Of of the economy of scale there, so this is one of those, and and basically we did the best we could with the with the facilities we had there, and um, you know it was a a business model that worked. Um, we worked a little bit in it, but you know it, it was profitable enough. Yeah. You know it, it, we weren't coming away with tons of money, but you know we'd profit two three grand a month off the place, and you know we we're pretty yeah. happy. I mean, yeah. you know we had another business too, and 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 so. Uh, we mm-hmm. started rolling out delivery and it started doing even better. And then COVID hit. Right. And that particular spot out in Wilmore had like eight tables. Okay. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was a small joint. That's why we rolled out delivery to be able to up our profits. Right. Makes sense. So COVID hits. And honestly, we're not doing all that bad because we're like the only thing other than one other pizza shop over in Nicholasville, Kentucky that delivered in this small town. So we weren't doing too bad. Uh, and then where one of the larger mistakes. So, so there's a couple of mistakes. I think um, these governments did in, in COVID lockdown. Okay. Um, the first mistake they did was, uh, the first initial lockdown, everybody's unsure. It should have been almost a total complete lockdown for a very short amount of time, like two weeks. And just like completely closed down two weeks. Yep. The second mistake they made was then how they opened. Because what we're seeing now is lockdown fatigue. Why? Because if you own a restaurant in Kentucky, you know this. We have gone from 25, 33, 50, 25, 33, up and down, different closing hours, different limitations. Um, it, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride. And right. that is creating part of this lockdown fatigue you're seeing out of business owners and other individuals is the fact that the rules just keep changing. It'd yeah. be better to be, okay, you're either fully closed or you're fully open. That's it, on and off. And basically, we're full bore going. And then if, if we're worried about hospital capacity, we come out, we say, okay, this is our number. It is a set number. Once we roll over this many ICU beds occupied by COVID, we then close everything back down for two weeks. And then we open everything back up again and go full bore. Right? Okay, yeah. Um, I guess because oh, if you have all these inconsistencies, then how do you plan to operate well, a business? And or it think creates fluctuating, fatigue. You know? It just creates fatigue, right? right. You just get tired of mm-hmm. it. You just get tired of, of having to deal with it. So, yeah. um, so what they did and why that plays into it. So what they did was they opened up, I think the first time around to 33% or 25. The first one I remember was 33%. 33. Okay. So they opened up to 33% and going back to what I said, I had 10 tables. Now I only had three, but (laughs) (laughs) where, where that took a hit for us, that was on our delivery and carry out because what ended up happening is, is offices are opening back up. Now, Wilmore, Kentucky is a bedroom community. 
right? So for those who don't know what a bedroom community mean is, it, it means people live there, but they don't work there. They work in Lexington. And on your way from Lexington um, is grocery stores, is, is places uh, to grab takeout from and things like that. And so, you know, and especially in, in a town like Wilmore, that's mainly families, you're not going out to eat all the time. And on the nights you are, you're maybe planning it out a little bit more. Compared to when you're locked inside your house cooking three times a day and the grocery store is really far away, you're more likely to start delivering a little more often. Yeah. Okay. Delivering. And so our business took like a major hit because it, we could only serve. And don't get me wrong. I mean, our three tables were, were full all the time, but it just wasn't enough customers to yeah. uh, keep going. And we had already taken out the EIDL and PPP loans for that business. And so we're sitting there and uh, watching what's going on with our numbers for like a month or so. We've got this PPP IDL loans looming that we need to pay off that we're just pulling away from to try to keep this place going. And our lease was coming up due. So we said, well, this business is sunk. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. we're not going to renew our lease here, but we have these EIDL loans we need to pay back. Uh, we need to figure out a way to do it. So we, we pivoted. Now, I don't know if anybody else remembers, but when Andy first lifted, Andy Bashir, our governor here, first lifted the lockdown orders, uh, he said he wasn't going to lock down again. Right. And so looking at that, looking at 33%, looking at the fact that a lot of people were working from home, we said, you know, geez, a, a coffee shop, especially a larger one, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And we found this coffee shop that was literally, it's like four minutes down the road from us. It's we our, our house is literally on the same road as the coffee shop. Oh, that's cool. And so we see this coffee shop very close by. And keep in mind, we live in Lexington. We've been owning a place in Wilmore, so we've been driving 30, 40 right, minutes man. every day. Back in, you know, uh, so being five minutes down the road was nice. And, and this particular coffee shop had was a coffee shop before, so the community's used to going there for coffee. And it had like a lot of stuff in it. And... You know, I haven't gone around measuring all the other sitting areas of coffee shops in Lexington, but if it is not the largest, it is really close yes. to the largest it's a really big place. Yeah. coffee shop. And yeah. so when you've got the capacity restrictions and everything else going on, it made a lot of sense. Right. And so we leased that spot, and it was, it was you know, relatively a good deal um, on the lease there. And, you know, so we leased the spot. We have... People come out, we're large enough where we can see a lot of people. People are working from home, everything else. So going at the spot, and and at the same time, we also recognize that Lexington has a fair amount of coffee shops, 2024-ish, 20, I believe, yeah. coffee shops wow. in the city of Lexington. So having that many coffee shops, sorry, I got to take a drink. Mm, I don't blame you. That good coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah. I made that, by the way. So if that's oh, good, it's it's it's, it's a little credit. salty. It's got a little fruit to it. It's there perfect. It tastes like Tyrant Steers. <laughs> that's what that is. Um, but so, um, how do we use this time where people are going to see us to then stand out and create a loyal, long-standing customer base? And mm -hmm. that's where being a pour-over bar came from. That's something that's popular. You know, you'll see them out in California a lot and places like that, but not real popular around here. So we started this coffee shop, and, and the nature of our space, who we're targeting, and everything else is quite clear. It's dine-in people. 
I mean, that that's who we're targeting, right? right. And mm-hmm. and there was many times where, you know, we were, you could not get a table. In fact, over the summer, Amy McGrath, Mitch McConnell, Brad Barron, Amy Barr, all their Fayette County campaigns worked out of our coffee shop. Um, at, at, sometimes at the same time. And you're right there close to the University of Kentucky. So right, got- right. And then Sundays at like 2 o'clock, we were packed full of students all mm-hmm. studying and, and, yeah. and everything else. So. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, man, it was going amazing and everything else. But there was certainly, like, we were breaking even. We were covering our bills. Now, me and my wife hadn't paid ourselves out of there, and we were working probably 30, 40 hours a week on it. But at the same time, um, you know, it, 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 we know that you, you're kind of growing, and, and right. it, you know, we recognize that. Yeah, that's right? par for the course. on. Yeah, course, yeah. yeah. I, and, and to be quite honest, yeah, we weren't paying ourselves. But to be at break even three months into – a, a restaurant coffee shop type business is, is pretty good. That's, yeah, pretty that's good. impressive. Um, and so, and, and we know, you know, we got to grow our following. And so we're working on that. And then the, and, 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 you know, we did a lot of events. So brewed the name brewed on top of the fact we, we fresh brew your coffee, but also we, we serve beer. Mm-hmm. And so served beer. Yeah. We're not fixing that. Um, <laughs> and so, because we serve beer and coffee and everything else, we 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 called ourselves brood and and we would do a fair amount of events in the evening, some trivia, some uh, live music. Um, we had a hip hop rap and R and B night that got a little wild sometimes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which you know. And I then uh, we we actually had to cut that out when they started lighting off fireworks in our parking lot. And we were like, <laughs> I was like, all right, that's that, funny. Uh, like, I don't know how much they're enforcing curfew right now, but if you're out there setting off fireworks, right? Uh-huh. Now, that being stated, um, you know, we, uh, is, is, you know, we followed the spacing guidelines by the CDC. We followed our, our limiting um, guidelines as far as seating goes. We follow uh, the mask rules to the extent that we can. I, I personally... Uh, from the very get go, if I have to be honest, did not like the idea of our staff having to enforce it. I think the way we we approached the mass mandate of saying we're not going to go after the customers, we're going to go after the businesses, and then w- what you're asking for is a bunch of people. What's called space paid? A bunch of college students who are paid eight, nine, ten, eleven bucks an hour to uh, talk to people about wearing a mask as they come in, and and so. Basically, you know, we, we would say, hey, we have a sign up now that clearly spells it out. We're, we require masks. If, you have, if you're not wearing one, we're just going to assume you have a medical condition. Right, yeah. And just kind of let you make your choice. Because especially in a restaurant, that guideline there is one of the stupidest ones in the world. Because you come in wearing a mask... But then the, when you sit down, you take off the mask. Right. And I'm unsure if just COVID spreads when you're standing, but when yeah, you're sitting, it it's doesn't. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm unsure on how all that works. But one of the silliest, silliest things I've ever done in my life is walk in, talk to a host stand. The host says, oh, can you put on a mask? I just walked in. I forgot to put one on. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I put one on. And then she seats me at a table that I'm not kidding you. Literally, she turned her back and put the menu on the table and so <laughs> yeah. I, I i literally walked like 10 feet from the door with the mask on then sat down took it off i'm like this is what, right, the, yeah. what the heck's going on here yeah and so 
and, and you know, too, what's funny is, well, we'll get back around to that, but, <laughs> um, but you know, we, we've, we weren't like outspoken about, you know, anything to do with it. Um, and it was fine. We're plugging away. And then we go from 50% capacity to completely closed, uh, for indoor dining. And this is where a lot of people don't understand. Uh, a lot of people think coffee, uh, that's a, that's the easiest to go thing in the world. Well, it's, yeah, I sell coffee, but what I was really selling was a space where you can sit, you can work, be away from the house, not have to pay for a co-working space or things like yeah. that. The experience. Yeah. yeah I, I'm, right. that, that's, that's not, coffee isn't the only thing I'm providing. Right. Right. I'm providing a community space. And also as well, when you don't have a drive-thru, it means that you have to, and you're not like a fast food place, like Starbucks is basically fast food, right? They've, they've got their processes, Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. where they can knock it out. And this is what kills local business. This is what a lot of people don't understand. They sit there and they say, well, McDonald's can survive with carryout. Or my favorite right now, I don't know if you guys know this, Chipotle apparently is only doing mobile app orders. So they lock their like front doors. Really? And you have to place your order on the app, and then they will run it out to you. And well, if you want to drop, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars on some app services, then, I, well, then and, you can. And, but the only reason why they can afford to do <laughs> exactly. that is, is what do you get at what do you get at uh, Chipotle if you go? A burrito. Right. What, what do you What do you get on it? I mean, typical, you know. Yeah, just what do you normally get, get on chicken, it? Chicken. Okay. Um, you know, some salsa. Okay. Cheese, sour cream. Right. You know, typical burrito. And and if you're in a city like Lexington, you're driving around, and you're thinking about, where am I going to eat? You're thinking about what you're hungry for. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm hungry for a burrito. Are you going to go to that local Mexican restaurant, or are you going to go to Chipotle? Which one do you know the mm. menu of? Mm. Which one do you know what your expectations are? Yeah. And so, and that's, I think that's something a lot of people don't understand about why these large organizations of restaurants are doing fine. Well, mom and pop stores are closing. Yeah. When you're out and about, you're convenient. Yeah, your yeah. buying behavior yeah. is is what you're getting from a restaurant is the service. You come in, you sit down, you look at the menu, they bring over stuff, blah blah blah, right? Right. You're not when when you're doing to go, what you're what you're getting is food and what you're getting is convenience. Because at that point, if I'm deciding to not cook at home, but just pick up food on my way home. It's just about what's most convenient for right. me. And it is not convenient for me to sit out in a parking lot for 30 minutes waiting on my food. Yeah. And also now I've got to have the forethought to call you if I don't want to do that, which a lot of people aren't going to do. Yeah. And so when it comes to coffee, in much the same way, one, a lot of people will be like, oh, that's the easiest thing to do to go. It's also the easiest thing to do at home, too. It's a lot easier to make a pot of coffee at home than it yeah. is to uh, make a burrito at home, right? Right. Yeah. So it, 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 it's really, and that's where lack of understanding of the business comes from, right? Because right? you look at Starbucks, you're like, they need to go like crazy. Yeah, they do, and so does McDonald's. But that doesn't mean your local diner's doing a lot of exactly. to-go. Right. It's, 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 they may serve the same food, but that doesn't mean they have the same business well, model. Well, too, you, you don't want to compare. There's no reason to compare every business to every other business. You know what I'm saying? Like we talked about this even before the podcast started, making these blanket orders affects people in different perspective well and you know it's crazy too so not to get well, like we talked about we don't want to get too much into the numbers but a lot of people don't know 
how they made the decision that restaurants are spreaders and um, what it's based upon in most cases. So like take for an example in Kentucky or actually in Nashville, they did their own study about it. They found bars were not a major spreader. They then try to hide that from getting out to the public. I remember that because the bars were closed and if it came out, the bars would be pissed. So, um, and, and what's funny is, is in that, so the study they're using, is a CDC study done where they surveyed around 150 people who tested positive and 150 people who tested negative. Basically just asked them what you did. And the people who tested positive were two times more likely to have gone to restaurants than people who tested negative. Now, I don't know about you, but just in general, if I'm more likely to go out and about, I'm more likely to get COVID. And also, when I'm out and about, I am probably going to get something to eat. Yeah. <clears throat> if, if, if I'm out and about, there's one thing I'm always going to do, which is get something to eat. So, anyways. But they had a separate category for bars and coffee shops. What's funny is, is in that same study, the people who didn't get COVID, 5% of them had gone to bars and coffee shops. People who did get COVID, 8%. Hmm. So we're talking about three, four different three, people. Yeah. Five different people, <clears throat> six, seven different people saying they went to bars and coffee shops more than the other group did. Because those seven people, they decided bars and coffee. But even that, that is so significantly different than the restaurant, which was two to one. Yeah. And yet they decided to lump bars and restaurants in with restaurant with with together. Then even worse, they opened up restaurants here in Kentucky and kept bars closed, even though that same study said restaurants were worse than bars. Yeah. And so you know you you end up with some interesting decision making to go on. And I, you know, I think it's just coming from a spot of they don't know what to do, and you don't know. As, a, as an elected leader, yeah. <laughs> standing up there and being like, guys, I don't know, <laughs> right. isn't exactly the, the idea. But you know what, though, on the flip side of that, man, if, if, if you had a leader, just like as a medical provider, if a patient comes to me and says, hey, uh, here's, here's my symptoms, here's what I got going on, I could gain 10 times more respect, 10 times more um, even like patient volume, and, and more if, if I just said, I don't know. But we're going to figure this out. You know what I'm saying? Just being honest instead of like, oh, today, here's what we're going to do. Right. And then, yeah. oh, well, okay, well, let's just try this over here. You know, effective immediately, this is what's going to happen. And however it impacts, it impacts, so be it. But look at, look at, so, and this is where I think, especially people who are, uh, we'll call them Democrats, and, and so everybody's aware, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get too much into political parties about it. But this does play into our COVID decisions. Right. The Democrats said Trump's inaction, whether it was true or not, uh, caused the COVID deaths. So now you're a Democrat governor. What would your inaction be used? Would it be used against you the same way you used it against Trump in the election? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now you've created a political situation where, to your point, a good leader... A person not playing party politics would say, I, guys, I don't know. Right. But we're going to figure out something. But I don't, I don't want to create a solution that is worse than the problem. Right. But because we play party politics, we now have a problem where if I do nothing, I'm going to be attacked because I just said this guy shouldn't be reelected because he did nothing. Right. And I've created a no-win situation for yeah. me. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's... it's and that's what so when they they closed indoor dining and what we did was is we said hey 
we can't we sell coffee it's five six bucks a cup at the most right i mean my average ticket's like four or five bucks i can't afford a tent and a propane heater and to run and keep in mind too and run extension cords and and during that time too it snowed several times who wants to go do your your work Right. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the cold. It's right? December. Let's do outdoor dining. Right. Like, and make everybody uh, else sick. And, and <laughs> who's going to sit from... out there for several hours on your yeah. computer? Keep in mind, that's what you're getting from a coffee shop. Right. right. And so it's not going to happen. And so I said, you know, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to open up this here door. Just off the ground a little bit. You know, when it's warmer, we'll open it farther. When it's colder, we'll close it a little bit more. And we'll just let people sit out here because uh, you know, what is a patio? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what we said. We said and, and, and based on what I understood, the reason why indoor dining was of concern was because air ventilation. Now, <laughs> this is what's funny too, and I and I find to be complete BS. A lot of these things they left open, like Rupp Arena and the casinos and things, right. their defense for leaving it open was well, they had upgraded ventilation systems. Why wasn't I offered that same possibility as a as a restaurant? Are you yeah. telling mm-hmm. me if I upgraded my ventilation system? I could also remain... I mean, that's the argument for, for airplanes. Right. They have fantastic ventilation systems. Mm-hmm. So if I'm able to upgrade or, or achieve a, a airflow amount that I'm supposed to, why can I stay open just like an airplane will? Why can I stay open just like Rupp Arena or the casinos yeah. can? Right. And, and that wasn't an option afforded to us. Instead, it was, no, you had to close. And so we said, well, we're opening up this door. We're being safe, everything else. And um, we even posted on our Facebook, listen, because of our unique interior, all of our seating areas are open. Right. So, 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 at, so at this time, just to clarify, so this time you, you all have had no word or feedback from environmental health and safety. You were just seeing the guidelines mm-hmm. and just making the decisions. And you were taking it within your, your perspective of what the regulations were, trying to make adaptations to that, to keep and, yourself and open the, and do what right. you, the best and you can do. And what the heart of the regulation was why do they want to see the outside well because airflow that that's the scientific reason right so i'm trying to do that well tuesday so the 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 order went into effect on the 18th at five o'clock that following tuesday morning a health department lady came in now (laughs) she just chose some really bad timing so (laughs) First off, I was, um, and this was on. Make sure, make sure. Well, I don't want to get specific, but is it November twenty fourth? Is what I got. Yeah, around sure. that, time. that Tuesday yeah. is that okay. Tuesday following, and, okay. and because the prior day, that Monday, I had um, uh, worked it myself because what what we had done is we had one person that normally worked during the day, and we said, listen, you know, we got to lay you off. I don't know how many people are going to show up. And and let's keep in mind, too, does anybody know what was going on that week that they closed us that might affect our business majorly that were, would have been higher? It was finals week Ooh. for UK. Uh, and so... That's yeah, a big deal. That's yeah. a big deal to a coffee <laughs> shop yeah, that yeah. mainly works yeah. off yeah. students studying in their coffee yeah. shop, right? right. Like, it's a big deal. I was telling you, you know, earlier, my mom owns a coffee shop in in a small town in Columbia where we live, mm-hmm. and there's Lindsey Wilson College is there, and 
Her her sitting area is, is packed with students, yeah, especially right. during that time. Yeah. Right. Oh, That's, yeah. And let's keep in mind, too, UK closed all their sitting areas. Literally, the only place you could go study in a group was your shop. dorm or like our coffee <laughs> yeah. shop, right? So that's part of why we had so many people. Yeah. So we said, no, we're going we're gonna to keep up. Well, that first day, because we weren't being super loud about it, we didn't know we were really breaking the rules at the same time. We didn't want to bring scrutiny. And so the first day... And, and keep in mind, you know, we're going from doing much more than this. That first day, Monday, we did a hundred dollars in business that entire day, right? Well, so I'm like, gosh, this really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh oh, like yeah. I've got rent due here yeah. in a couple months, and I'm already working, you know, eighty hours between me and my wife. I literally, I, 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 I'm gonna have to fire my entire staff if this continues. Yeah, and. The next day, by the time the health department came in at 9.30, because people started realizing we were open and you could come study at it, um, we'd done already $200 in revenue that day. So we did double what we did the entire day in our first like two hours yeah, of business. Yeah. So I was like, awesome. Right. But she also <laughs> chose the wrong time because <clears throat> of who those customers were. And she walks in. She looks around and sees some people in there. She goes, um, you can't be having people in here. And I was like, oh, my door's open. Can I open it more for you? Open the front doors and side doors? She's like, no, you had to kick them all out. And I was like, ah, geez, I really disagree. And so she's like, well, you got to close. And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to. I think this is just fine. This is safe. This is fulfilling your wants and, and, and needs out of, out of you know, your COVID concerns. And, um, you know, I think this is fine. So I don't, I don't, I'm not going to close. And also keep in mind where my mind's at, right? I'm going to have to fire my entire staff, probably have to not pay my rent, my personal rent that month to make sure we make the rent on the coffee shop. Because I did $100 yesterday, and then that day, I'm like, wow, we're at 200 bucks already on the day. Like, maybe we're going to go back to doing the yeah. amount of revenue we were doing every day last week, right? And and for people who don't understand, but restaurants and stuff, we operate off razor-thin margins. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's... it's it is a it is a game that we're playing of and and hopefully a lot of people understand small business as a whole operates that way as we've seen so many of them close yeah by just missing a couple of months of business mm. and you know that's what's most concerning too about about everything is is that I don't think the average American understands eighty three percent of the u s is small business I don't think they understand that the average small business only employs the average business in America employs only 18 people. And so I wouldn't aware of that. I, I don't think people realize the average CEO's <clears throat> salary is only 130,000 a year. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. That's a good salary, but still, you know, when you mm. hear some people go out there and talk about it, that, that view business is almost a, a, a endless source of cash that are never paying their fair share. What they do is, is they talk about, you know, these corporations like Amazon or Walmart or things like that, that make billions of profit, even though they're operating off the same margins we do. But the only difference is, is, you know, 3% of a hundred billion <laughs> is, is just raw numbers, a lot more cash than 3% of a hundred thousand. Right. And so 
they they stump for rules regulations that that uh, are, and they're they're making these ideas based upon these large companies not realizing how much small business exists. And when you make that rule that says, like I said, not to get too much into politics, but we, we got to understand how these people think um, that are making these decisions in government because they have never built a thing themselves. Like hardly anybody in government has ever built a thing. They're mostly lawyers. Yep. And even if they own their own law firm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be a jerk. That's not really owning your own business. Yeah. Okay. It's not really. It's working for yourself, maybe. But even if that fails, you still have a pretty good degree and gig to fall back on, right? right? Yeah. It, it's it's not the same thing as <clears throat> just being a, a, a person who can cook and, and has worked and saved to then goes to open up a restaurant that has nothing to fall back on. Right, and that's that's part of the, the questions that I had was like, so you said you were sitting there thinking, man, I'm going to have to fire my, my employees. I think a lot of people don't realize that as a business owner, you are responsible not only for, uh, you know, I've got to have enough money to feed my own family and yeah. have my own housing and things like that, pay my own bills. But if I fail, I fail these people. Well, these I, people got to have food. They got kids. You're rolling on what the time of year Christmas is getting ready to come up. Right. It's, it's well, cold. It's cold. They're going to lose their heat. They're going like, this and, is. And people who want to sit there saying, no, these business owners don't really care about their employees. Rewind for a couple seconds here. Remember, I just said I hadn't paid myself out of the business, right? But I was paying my staff, right? So I was not paying myself so I could pay others for months and months and months up to this point. So let's not forget that, okay? So it, it, it's not about not taking care of our employees, of course it is, but also too, let's pretend that our unemployment system worked, okay? And let's pretend for one second if I did lay off that staff. Their, their entire income would immediately the next day be given to them. And I, I, so in that way, in my mind, I don't have to worry about how they're going to pay their bills. Let's remember how unemployment is actually funded. So unemployment is 100% funded by small business. And the amount small businesses pay is determined upon a couple of things. The first thing is, is how much money is in the overall account. So there's four A, B, C, D, E. Yeah, there's four different levels you you pay, right? And so depending on how much overall money is in the reserve account, it depends on if you're on A, which is the best, or E, which is the worst percentage payout. And that system, is that's statewide, right? So everybody's on A or everybody's on E, okay? So everybody knows Kentucky went from being A to E, which is important. But also... Within that graph, you have your own percentage of payroll you have to pay. So this isn't a tax on profits. So if I pay you $100, I have to pay into unemployment, let's say $3, 3%. Okay. Well, you can go from all the way as low as 0.1% to 10% is, is the range. And how much you owe is dependent upon your personal your company's on a number of unemployment claims and how much money your company has in its reserves in, in the state. So that's why whenever you see people that get fired and then try to claim unemployment, you'll see companies fight it. Right. It is because the more money that comes out of their reserve for their company, the more um, they will owe. They, they could move up another level, and so they could go from paying a small percentage to a high percentage. 
So let's talk about who's really affected by this. So there are companies in Kentucky that went from paying a 0.1% unemployment tax to 10% unemployment tax. Goodness. Mm. And you know what's worse about those companies? They're the good ones. They're the ones that never were laying people off or firing, or if if they had to fire somebody, it's because it's absolutely justified on the own actions of that person. What makes them go to that high percentage? Well, because what, what they, they, had, they had a low amount of unemployment claims priorly, so they had a large amount in their reserve. And then also, Kentucky was on a payment schedule. So they were paying you know, 0.1%. Well, Kentucky's now on e-payment schedule, so everybody right away has to pay another percent or two. So for some people, that's doubling our unemployment right off the bat. But additionally, because I had a large amount in reserves and I was way down here, but because of COVID, I had to lay a bunch of people off of no fault of their own, so we had to pay out a bunch of unemployment. I now have nothing in my reserves, especially if I paid a lot of money out, so if I was a high-paying employer. So now I'm all the way down to a company maybe that has none in reserves, and I'm on e-payment schedule. Hmm. So I go from 0.1% to 10%. Absolutely. So it's, 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 it is the best employers that are most affected but it's unemployment change. Yeah. A factory that's on a regular basis laying people off has had their unemployment insurance go up hardly at all because they were always out laying people yeah. off. And so their reserves were never full. But if I hadn't laid anybody off in 10 years, so I had a large amount of reserve in my unemployment insurance. And then all of a sudden I had to lay every single person off and it drained my unemployment insurance. I went from 0.1 to 10%. To build up that reserve again. Because we got to build up that reserve again. Right, so so when they're making these unemployment decisions, let's remember it is coming from the employer too. So on top of losing employers, and that's what's worse too. See, the more employers we lose, the more the other employers have to pay into the unemployment to replenish it. Jeez. So there's there's a lot of misunderstanding of how unemployment works. So laying off may say, oh, they'll lay off and they'll get paid. Well, also you're asking now the small business who's losing their money to also pay for that down the road. And so that's why just laying people off and letting unemployment pay it, even if it worked perfectly. Now here in Kentucky, we have an 80,000 people backlog, but, but, and, and, and how do we take care of that? Oh, we'll just offer an eviction mortuary. So literally because the government cannot get unemployment checks out, they have also issued an eviction mortuary now, granted, this is coming down from federal government, but the reason, why is it that we need to protect people against getting evicted? Normally, their unemployment checks would then go to paying their rent, so we don't need to protect people who are unemployed for no fault of their own from getting evicted. So why do we need to protect them now? Because we can't get them their checks. I mean, with the current unemployment system, they're even making way more than they were before. Yeah. So because we as a state are failing to get the unemployment checks out, we now have to ask now the landlords to be taking the hit on the rent. Yeah. yeah. I have a good friend the same way. He told me yesterday, he said, I have one tenant that owes me nearly $5,000. And mm-hmm. I said, I said, you know, I said, I asked him, I said, being in your situation, how does that make you feel like, you know, you need that money? from that person but you know that maybe they don't have it yeah you know you can't right evict them illegally right. Yeah. you know you probably shouldn't evict them 
Morally. Yeah, right. morally, right. He was like, I know. He said, I'm I'm stuck. But he's also running a business. Yeah. And he, <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's got to pay for line. it. So right. at yeah. what point? Luckily, he... luckily, he's okay financially. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's right. got that plan. But a lot of people don't have a fallback plan. Mm-hmm. They have well, nothing. And, 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 and where's that money coming from? I mean, it's coming from their family. Yeah. Right? And it's coming not just from their family, but also, too. What's, and, and this is the other thing I think people forget as well. What we are giving away is the American dream. What is the American dream? That you can finish better than you started. Right. And when you finish, you have something to hand off to your kids. Yeah. Then, then they can build upon that, finish better than they started, and hand something off to their exactly. kids. So on and so forth, right? So not just the American dream of saying, I will be better off. But the American dream of saying my kids will be better off than me, their kids will be better off than me, that's the, that's the American dream. Right. And when we're asking these landlords to foot the bill because the unemployment system can't get the checks out because they've failed. And I'm sorry, it's been 10 months. I don't yeah. care what you walked into. But I, I, if, if I'm <laughs> sitting there saying these people are getting laid off and, and well, I have caused this because I shut it down – that is it. I mean, I made a post uh, the other day about this on our Facebook where I said, Merry Christmas to everyone. Maybe I deleted it because I thought maybe people wouldn't understand it. But I said something like, Merry Christmas to everyone except for Andy Brashear, who should be working in his office himself <laughs> clearing out unemployment claims. Yeah. I'm sorry. If I was Andy, I would be not off on Christmas. I would be going through unemployment claims, clearing them out myself if I had to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of leadership we need, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah. we just talked about this on. exactly. What well, is, and, and instead of sitting there saying, "Hey, we're going to pay fourteen million to this outside firm," during the the Bevin administration, they'd pass because it used to be you couldn't do this. So, like, let's say you needed more people in unemployment. It used to be you couldn't pull them from other departments, okay, because of budgeting or something like that. Well. Under Bevan, they'd put a new rule in place saying you could. So you could pull from other departments into this department to help you out, right? So what if instead of saying, hey, uh, we're going to hire this outside firm, we said something like, hey, for one month, we're not going to let anybody retire necessarily. And every single person that works in KRS, Kentucky Retirement Systems, is going to help the unemployment office out. And they're going to get through these claims. Because what's more important, getting checks to people who have no income or helping a person retire this month? What's more yeah, important? You're right. right. I yeah. mean, get, getting people their checks is way more important, right? Or if better yet, we say, hey, all those guys who are at home collecting checks that work for the government, but because we close state parks or something, aren't mowing like they normally would, we're going to teach them how to handle unemployment claims. Yeah. <laughs> You know, all those utilization of resources. We we paused uh, streets and roads for a little bit there, construction right on streets and roads for a little bit. Why don't those people be helping out with with handling the situation? Right. But instead, (laughs) we pay seven million every uh, three four months to an outside firm, and uh, our backlog has done nothing but grow since we started doing that. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, you know, the point being is that, so, so this is all going through my mind when they come in to close me. And I'm like, no, you don't have an actual other. So that's, that's what people don't get yeah. is there isn't another solution out there for these business owners. Yeah, Literally, your only solution at this point is to say, I'm staying open. Yeah. 
That's it. So what did your what did your employees voice to you? Like their concern? What well, was what was their? What, I'm sure obviously they were worried. But what? How did you how did you feel hearing that from them? Like I want people to connect, listen to this. Like I think they're beginning to see now the picture as you're going through this right. in detail. But like emotionally, not just numbers, not just facts, not just like emotionally. What kind of burden is that for those people and for you and your family? So, you know, when it comes to the coffee shop, a lot of our staff part-time, and if I have to be honest, when we said we were staying open anyways, a lot of our staff are like, can we just file for unemployment? And we're like, yeah, we will. However, I own other businesses that have taken significant hits as well. Right. And I've had people crying because they won't have an income to be able to co-sign for their daughters to go to college. Hang on, say that again. I've had people that I had to lay off. Okay. That are are crying because they can't send their kid to college now. Not because they can't afford tuition necessarily, but because they literally can't co-sign on the apartment for them. Because oh, they don't wow. have an income. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you, you that's, know, that's deep. I've 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 I have people sitting there um that were like, hey, we, we got to lay off that their wife's going through cancer treatments. And they're wondering, what's this mean for that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, hmm. it, and, and it has an echo to it. Let's, let's take our coffee, for example. Our coffee supplier had no clue how they were going to give a Christmas to their staff, their employees, and their own kids. Because their coffee was 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 so down, right? We mm. use a local roaster. We partner with a local roaster. They do things specifically for us, so you can't get them elsewhere. But we partner with them to to get it done. They label it for us and, and they pack it and they roast it for us. It's out of Winchester. Um and they didn't know how they were gonna give it Christmas. But because we said no and we had this outcrying of support and we start selling so much more coffee. I mean, they're literally crying. Yeah. I mean, it was a gift to them. And so those are also echoes that go on within the system. And also, too, let's not forget what happens when you close us to indoor dining and all of our customer base switches over to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts because that's drive through Now, maybe the franchise... I don't think Starbucks is franchise-owned. I think Dunkin' Donuts is, though. Maybe oh. the franchise owner does live in the community, maybe. But Starbucks isn't franchise. So yeah, they may employ people out of the community, but the people who are making the profits Sorry. off of that purchase of coffee are not spending that money in the community. They are not buying their beans from a roaster in the community. They are not then, that roaster is now not employing people in the community. That roaster's profits are now not being spent in the community. And, and so it's got an echo to it. Right. There's right. A, yeah. There's a connection. Everything is linked on some way because your coffee business is connected to how many other businesses, and then right. you, maybe you own a, um, I don't know, a department store, or maybe it's a, I don't know, a just a retail shop. Anything. Yeah. You yeah. could be sourcing from local craftspeople. Exactly. And and what happens? I mean, people keep buying. Don't get me wrong, but where do they start buying from? The big box retailers that are left open mm. that are not buying from local people. Right buying online from Amazon that are not buying from local craftsmen and artisan. So the, the, the money is still there, but it gets shifted. And that's why we've seen 
the largest companies, the richest people, get even so much richer. I, I, I think I, I, I read really somewhere. Option? I read yeah. somewhere that um, the top one percent or ten percent or whatever, with how much richer they have gotten through COVID, mm-hmm. they could pay for our entire stimulus package and just be at the same lo- wealth level they were at. When, when COVID started. Right, yeah. I read that too. I think that, it was Jeff is Jeff Bezos with Amazon. Yeah. How right. much profit he made since this yeah. since COVID. I'm not I'm not knocking the man by any means. No, you know what I'm, I, I'm just saying I, I'm like, fine with there being major companies as long as we don't have crony capitalism protecting right. them. Yeah. But yeah, but they the reason they got that was because people like you, people like us are are suffering right. through that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And until these until these governors and and all these legislators sit back and go, you know what? Without the foundation, like we mentioned on another podcast, it's like you have a leader that says, hey, effective immediately do this. Until you get the input from the people who are actually having to do the work and how is this going to affect you or the people that you're taking the work from, mm-hmm. how is this going to affect you? Everything crumbles, right? You've seen the cartoon we talked about last time to where you've got the, the boss, okay? Or put it in, in perspective of a government leader. Hanging over the cliff on the plank, right, with a gun pointed at the employee. Mm-hmm. Or take that into example, say your small businesses or whatever. It's like, you're going to do this or else. Mm-hmm. They're the ones. Who are keeping you up. Right. It's going to crumble. You have to have that, that, that support system. You, I don't know what it takes for our government leaders to get a, a grasp of, like, we cannot function this way. That's whenever it begins to tilt to the fact of you you see everybody calls conspiracy theorists or the right wing extremists but you begin to wonder is there an intentional thing to hurt small businesses well and and, because i can go to walmart i can go to lowe's i can go to home depot i can go to kroger i can go to any other place i want to and it is packed i can go to a venue and have a 33 percent. maybe that venue is big enough to hold a million people in it it's okay 33%. 33%. But you can't go inside of a church or you can't go inside of a coffee shop or you can't do whatever because it's not okay. Like, well, I think, when, what gives them the right to cherry pick? You I, know? I, I like, think <laughs> what it is is what we're seeing. So we take how our system worked priorly and we're amplifying it. This is what I mean. The biggest supporter of regulation are large companies. Mm-hmm. And we've known that from the beginning. Right. So, like, for an example, the biggest supporter of the tobacco buyout was the tobacco companies. Why is that? Well, because the tobacco buyout allowed them to now buy tobacco overseas or it was cheaper instead of having to buy it in the States. (laughs) And so it helps them out, right? Crafty. Look at Facebook. They're asking to be regulated by the government. Why? Because regulation means their competition will be locked out. Their competition can't afford to follow the same regulations as they are. So because of that, it helps them. And... That is an ongoing, and that's why the biggest supporters of people who propose this, if you look at their campaign donors, it's sometimes the richest people that you would think, why is it that, for an example, you know, we all know Bernie Sanders and and, and all of them are against these corporations, right? And we all know they endorsed Joe Biden. Why is it, though, that Joe Biden had the highest number of billionaires donating to him over Donald Trump did? If his proposals are supposedly taking from them and giving to the people. Well, it's because the regulations actually only ensure the largest corporations survive. 
Let's look at the simplest one, a $15 an hour minimum wage. You enforce a $15 an hour minimum wage, my coffee shop prices have to go up immediately. Mm-hmm. However, Starbucks prices, they can, they can wear it out for a year or two. And what happens, meanwhile, is because my prices have to go up, more and more people switch to buying from Starbucks until yeah. eventually my coffee shop has to close. And now Starbucks has the market share. And now once Starbucks has the market share, they can just lift their prices to make up the difference. And you eliminate your competition. You've eliminated your competition. Yeah. And so that's just how it works. That's when the way our system is set up, it is set up where if you have enough money, you can buy yourself a seat at the table. And when you have a seat at the table, people listen to you. It it doesn't matter if, and, and it's not necessarily out of the worst things in the world. I know for me personally, I care about small business, right? So with our platform, we're being as, as loud and as vocal as we can to make sure we have a seat at the table to get small business ideas considered. If I owned Amazon, I would also want Amazon's issues considered. It, it, it's just a profit incentive, right? Right, right? And the way, though, however, our election system and political system is set up, I can buy my seat at the table. It doesn't make Jeff Bezos an evil guy. Right. He's responding the same way any of us would. Right. Yeah. And and the government's responding the same way you would too. If you're worried about getting reelected, keeping your job, and you need money to run ads to be reelected, and you have somebody who gives a lot of money so you can run ads, you would also talk to that person. Right. It doesn't need to be this great grand conspiracy about Soros' money and everything else. It it doesn't have to be. Mm. It's very clear. And so what we've seen with COVID though is these policymakers and, and governors and things are making policies with a stroke of a pen that are very um, clearly, it, it, they're, they're very just extreme regulation, if we look at it that way. They're just super extreme regulation, more extreme than just here's a tax or here's a new permit or here's a new license. Yep. So if we just look at it as a very extreme regulation, and regulation in this country has always been affected by large interests coming in and, and buying their way a seat at the table to, to speak in the ear of these politicians. We're just seeing that amplified. Hmm. And it doesn't have to be a conspiracy. It's always what's been going on. Hmm. We're just seeing it brought to the extreme. A little, a little more evident now. Well, yeah, yeah, we're seeing it brought to the extreme. And and like I said, I, you know, America works as a whole off profit incentives. So I got a question kind of getting back to you're talking about with your with yeah, your sorry, with your, I don't mean to no, it's fine. No, no, it's it's with your closing. Like I want people to kind of. I think a lot of people will take Understand this to take, take this to to heart. Is like, yeah. how did you make the decision? What led you to the decision to be like, no? I'd go on food stamps a week prior. Really? That was what it was. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I I, I literally had to go on food stamps. Governments. I went from being worth like three million dollars to having to go on food stamps. A week prior. What? Yeah. And if I was, and if I had to close a coffee shop and lose it, I didn't have a way path forward. I didn't have a way I was going to come back from that. Okay. Hang on well, a second. <laughs> yeah, I can show you. Do you want to see the food stamp card? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> like, hold, I have it. I don't believe it. Like, yeah. Okay. So you're saying. I was also just, approved for government health care, too. It's, so you're talking about worth. Three million dollars. Now, now keep in mind, worth three million doesn't mean I have three million right, in the bank. Right, but you businesses know, businesses and investments, yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. But to to give it some idea, we're probably doing, you know, as a family, right around six, seven thousand a month. Uh, actually, into our family, you know, we 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 didn't 
we weren't going on vacations like crazy, but we were at a point where I didn't have to worry about, you know, when, when I needed gas, I got gas and I filled it up, mm. you know, right. uh, you know, if we wanted to go out and eat for, you know, 10 bucks a person every night, we could. Mm-hmm. So I, I went from that in January to, to, having to, on food stamps. to being on food stamps, yeah, a week prior. That that message right there, I think, is the the ticket. That is the key that will relate right. to people right now. You know, yes, I'm, I'm not trying to turn this on me. I'm a medical provider now, and I... And mm-hmm. We were on food stamps growing up. Yeah. I know what that's like. Yeah, we've been there. I know what it's like to... Oh, it's my first time on government assistance. Yeah, I know what it's like yeah. to get that government cheese, that government peanut butter. I know exactly what it's like. I know what right. it's like to be on food stamps. I know what it's like to be in a home and have snow coming through the cracks of a log house in the bedroom and having to hang up quilts to block off certain heat from certain areas just so you can stay warm enough. And it's a shame that in 2020... With all the technologies and all the opportunities that were reverting backwards almost to those situations. Some people have worked their whole life like you have, and you've got to a point of success. And then because of one man's pin swipe, this is what we're doing. Well, and- Period. And, you, and I'm not trying to put all the blame on one person. I'm, it's policies, procedures. I think a lot of it is. But it also comes down from the federal government. It comes down from perceptions of the way things are. I I will blame it on one person. Only because, and and I use this analogy a few times. If I know the fire department isn't coming and I light my house on fire and it burns down, is it the fire department's fault or is it my fault? Right. So if I close my state, knowing financial relief isn't coming, knowing my unemployment systems broke like broke is it doesn't function and broke monetarily (laughs) knowing that that's the case and i do it anyway that doesn't advocate my responsibility from it right and so i i think i think that's but take it on a smaller scale that's exactly what you did with your business right you had no choice well and you said something online you you weighed out your pros or cons you realize it's going to be more harmful to you to close down well at the end of the day if i'm saying that if i close and i and i say so from the health department that was her actual name walks in <laughs> and, oh, wow. and, so and, and no, but... she, she walks in and says you have to close your business <laughs> that was her actual name and i say well if i close my business to indoor dining and then in two weeks i can't pay my rent and so i lose my business anyways What's my incentive to close? Yeah. What are you going to do? Take away my business? I already was losing it. I'm going to lose it anyway. Anyway, at least if I stay open, I have a shot. Yeah. At my at, at somehow staying open. And and I say this to you today: if I had closed, Brood would not be open right now. I promise you, it wouldn't be open. I mean, it, it, it literally. Couldn't happen. And the $10,000 they were offering was nothing. And let's let's also say that, let's talk about the government assistance, right? Now you say, well, how is this possible? You know, let's keep in mind, I had, I have still an EIDL loan 
for $15,000 that I was approved for, that I signed for, that they had messed up one digit of my bank account on, and I have yet to get that money because of that. And I was approved for it six months ago. <laughs> so it's not just so you say, well, you know, how's your business so close to the edge? Well, it's because of things like that. They know I'm close to the edge. Yeah. I should have another. So with, with, with Andy's money and that EIDL loan, I should have 25K in the bank. So I could pay my, my $3,700 rent and also be able to close and pay my house rent of 1200 bucks, and pay my car payments of 1000 and pay my rent and pay for my food for a couple of months. I should be able to. But because the government has failed to even get me the money that I was approved for because they know I need it to continue, they have put me in a position where I can't comply. Yeah, there's and there's still videos circling uh, Facebook and stuff of those unemployment lines in Frankfurt where they were supposed to get unemployment money well in February, March, well, April, also too, and they've still not seen a dime of it. Well, also, too, when, when, when the if, – if, so this is what, too, I, I know they renewed it with this recent bill, but with that bill uh, ending, that money ending, that extra money a, a week or a month or whatever that you're supposed to get from the federal government, if your unemployment claim isn't processed by the end of that, you're not getting that money. So because the state failed – to process your unemployment in time, they, it was literally going to cost people thousands of dollars they would have normally gotten. Yeah. Jeez, man. And then also, if you're 1099, which the federal government stepped in to help out people who are 1099, you weren't going to get unemployment now that you would have gotten if they had processed it in time. Hmm. So this is on a timeline. It is on a timeline. Right. And, I, and I posted on, on our account yesterday. They have no clue even how much they still owe. They don't know. The state auditor, uh, a couple days ago in an article, said, he said, when I asked him how much they still owed, it went anywhere from a couple hundred million to two billion. And they finally came back with 511 million. And then when we asked them to estimate things farther back, they said, there's no way we could possibly tell you that. Good and so they have no idea how much money they need to ask the Senate to budget for unemployment this year. They don't even know. Holy smokes, man. It's unreal. It's been 10 months <clears throat> since this thing started. And you can't even tell us how much money you need to pay the 81,000 people who are in backlog. You don't even know. And also, how do you know how much money you need to ask... The, uh, the employers to be chipping in. Yeah. You have no clue. <laughs> when, <laughs> when are people going to start holding other people, even ourselves, really, but our government, our, our government elected officials, our mayors, our city councilmen, our whoever it might be. We've talked about this several times responsible so like what process do you go through to be like you know what this is your expectations and if you don't meet these expectations here's our option to do that and i'm not talking about just like 
you know, conspiracies so, and impeachments yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, just like the people coming together and being like, So there's enough. one person in every county you can hold accountable for closures, and that is the sheriffs. If the sheriff refuses to do something, so let's say the, the so let's take for an example us, right? Okay. This next time, if they, if they decide to close down businesses, and the sheriff comes out and says, I will not close down a business. Every single business in that county doesn't have to close. Really? Yes. Because you don't have anybody to enforce it. And if the local PD tries to enforce it, the sheriffs can arrest the local PD. Yeah. And force a court case over whether or not that's constitutional. So that's the first person you can hold accountable. Anything bad that happens in your county is because of your sheriff. Because your sheriff isn't stepping in to say, I will not enforce that. That's who it ultimately. Sheriffs actually have the most amount of power. Uh, the sheriff, even over like environmental health and safety, right? With the state, who's here's the problem though. They got to get somebody to enforce it. Environmental health and safety doesn't have an enforcement arm. They don't have people with guns to come and arrest me when I tell them to screw off, right? right. They have to have the sheriffs or local PD do that or KSP. If KSP or local PD comes in to do something, the sheriffs can show up and say, that is unconstitutional. We're not going to allow that. I did not know that. And they are an elected official. So, and that is enshrined in Kentucky's state constitution as well. So that's the first person you can hold accountable is your sheriffs. Because that's our check and balances, right? Is that you, the, the, legislative branch which when the governor is issuing executive orders he's functioning as the legislative branch which is a problem but when that's going on they have to have somebody enforce it that's our check and balance and so if the sheriffs say no you've no problem so so they're a little secret there are parts of california there are parts of all these states that are locked down where businesses are fully open and they're fully open. Cause the sheriff said, I'm not enforcing it. Mm-hmm. And if more sheriffs did that, these lockdowns would stop. Is there another option for, for the States to be like, well, the sheriff said this, but we're going to do this instead. What, what else could there be? So uh, the other options, right? So it is, is, and this is where the, and this is why bars have been attacked so heavily is your liquor licenses. So liquor licenses are issued by the state. So though they can't get the sheriff to enforce it, the ABC can come in and pull your liquor license. And then if you're selling alcohol without a license, you're now committing a federal crime, which is why you're seeing bars being come after so hard. They're definitely loopholes. Okay. Um, And so that that becomes an issue, right? So so whenever – sorry, whenever whenever Bashir sent – the KSP to, to come the, pull our to, liquor license. Oh, to the to the churches, right? Remember, they were at some churches. They were getting license plate numbers yeah, right. and all this stuff, and he was trying to shut these churches down initially, right? Right. So, at that moment in time, the sheriff had authority yeah, to the sheriff could have showed up like, and arrested no. the KSP officers uh, for some crime. So, let's say it is breaking a person's uh, First Amendment rights. And so, you know, you're interceding on their ability for free speech. Mm-hmm. They could have arrested the KSP officers 
And then that would have forced the courts to now get involved. Instead, you had to have my attorney, Chris Weiss, take the governor's orders to court and argue they're unconstitutional, which he did win. But we wouldn't have to be paying attorneys and getting attorneys to go fight this if the sheriffs would show up and just say, no, you can't do it. I'm going to arrest you if you do. Because that immediately forces it into the courts. Hmm. And maybe it's a thing of, and I'm not, I'm not knocking any sheriffs at all, you know, individually attacking anybody, but in Kentucky, a lot of these small towns, it's a good old boy system. Right. It's like, oh, this is so-and-so's son, and so-and-so's this, so-and-so's this, and his dad was a sheriff so many years ago, and man, we're going to get this guy in, he's just a good guy, and he, all his deputies are his buddies, and you right. know what I'm saying? It's just like, that's just how, maybe it's a thing of education, of being like educating the public and the sheriffs on this is a major responsibility that you have to ensure mm-hmm. that I don't disagree that we're actually having a um, an event there mid January of a sheriff called Sheriff Mac out in Arizona and he talks about what sheriffs can actually do and not do he's a sheriff yeah um and he's uh he's actually coming out and doing a speaking event in Lexington that we're inviting all the sheriffs to in Kentucky so they can understand what can they actually do and what can't they because uh, a lot of sheriffs have no clue. Well, it'd be really good to keep a head count of who shows up, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. Be a way to do a little check be. and bounce, keep people accountable. Yeah, it would be. I mean, at least learn more about what you can and can't yeah. do, right? Yeah. I think this is a good opportunity to expand this farther. I'm not trying to get off topic of, of your business and this whole COVID right. thing. Right, and, and I can go into that <clears throat> story there, but it's just yeah. kind of, you know, just conversation. Well, I think this is, yeah, this is a good opportunity to, one one of our, our missions here at Firestone is like our creed, prepare, respond, serve. That's what we do. We train for local communities to prepare to whatever event it might be, respond and serve that community. That's our goal. Individually, prepare yourself so you can respond and serve because you may be that first responder. One of our big missions and goals that we have, and we've had from even where we were another business entity, was preparing for mass casualty and mass disasters within the community, period. Our biggest our biggest problem i guess you would say was getting this community leaders together all right because you would have fire saying well we run the show local local pd no we run the show the sheriff's like no we run the show the mayor the superintendent all these people trying to get together and and come to a conclusion like who's accountable right now for the safety in your community Mm-hmm. Period. Like, who's accountable? What method do you have in plan at your school if there's an active shooter? What method do you have in plan at your church if there's an active shooter or an active aggressor? What is it at a local high school football game if there's something that goes on? Like, what do you all have? And like, they pass the buck to the other person. It, it or want to have it ego. Always be the sheriff. Yeah, or they want to have ego measuring competitions. Right. Like, well, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. It's like, listen, enough of the BS. Be accountable for the people in your community. And, and you want it to be the sheriff. You know why? Because they're the only person in policing that's directly elected by the people. Right. You don't want it to be the mayor because they can just blame it on the chief of police. And the chief of police isn't really elected. Yeah. They're hired. And, you know, the more you can pass the buck, the easier it is, to your point. Compared to if you say the sheriff is responsible for the safety of the community. Period. End of story. And that's the entire county, even in the city limits. Yeah. Right. That's that's why where I'm at now, the the special operations team 
is run by the sheriff's department. Right. Because they cover the entire county. So right. if something happens in the city or in the county, either one, they have jurisdiction there where they have to have that special ops yep. team. In in the counties themselves, sheriffs will always have the highest jurisdiction. I mean, it, it KSP can come and try to get involved and the sheriff can be like, Nope, it's ours. I mean, they, they would there would have to be a major court case yeah. to take something away from the sheriff. There is one person, I've always been told this, um, there's one person that can arrest a sheriff in the county, and it's a coroner. Mm-hmm. I've right. been told that, too. Yeah. Really? I've been told that, that technically, <clears throat> if the sheriff won't if he's enforce something, yeah. you go to the coroner. Yep. Really? Yeah, I've, I've heard that, too. Yeah. I don't know. I've heard you can go to the coroner, and get, get and they can... I've always heard he's the only person in the county that can arrest the sheriff. Right. But if you're having if you're having upper management, upper government, upper, whatever it is, your your governor, whoever mm-hmm. that's doing this pen swipe, causing all these problems, sure, and it trickles down all the way to the bottom, and you've got your small businesses trying to adapt and overcome these problems to keep their employees sure. fed, to keep them employed, to keep their families fed, to pay for their own home, to do all this stuff. That's really. That's the essence of people standing up and being like, "Here's what you're." But your voice and your, well, and that's where, that's where how we're fighting back. Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to expect the Franklin County Sheriff to go arrest any Bashir. He could if he wanted right. to. He could, and nobody could stop him. I mean, and he would he would take it to the courts, and it would be adjudicated, and he'd probably be released. But he could at least arrest him. Well, I don't even mean on that level. I but, mean like individual community. But, Every county in the state needs to be like. The, the, the sheriffs need to look and be like, my county's falling apart. Like, we've got to do something to help you guys out. Here's, here's, here's the bottom line. And this is what I think and what we're fighting for, too, as well, as we, as we do this, right? Mm-hmm. So how did, so right now in the state of Kentucky, indoor dining is open. It's only open because of essentially two people, three, three-ish people, and a group, and a, and a group of four. And this is why it's open. Me and Richard, who owned Beans, said, we will go to jail if we have to. And we dared them to do it. We then had an amazing attorney, Chris Weiss, who represented both of us. And then we also had a coalition of about three or four business owners headed up by Fernando, who came from Cuba and was arrested three times in Cuba for making sandwiches. So he had a very powerful story that started this petition and they got about a thousand restaurants to sign it. What the petition stated is, is at the end of this executive order, even if you renew it, we are opening to 50% dining. And then because we had a great attorney and we were daring enough to do so myself, especially in this case, because of just, they handled my case differently than they handled Richard's. Can I swear on this? Yeah, sure. Okay. We, 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 got, we got a beep it. option. Okay. Right? We get, we're good. So Okay. We yeah. just turned this into a giant show for them. We turned closing one or two places down into this embarrassing show. Just wreaked havoc. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, that's what happened. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. We literally, when, when they closed us to indoor dining, food trucks started showing up outside. People could still eat inside. And literally every day, Andy's being asked, why is Brood still open? Why is Brood still open? What, why, what are you going to do about it? You can't do anything about it, can you? Right? And we turned it in because the, the worst thing he could have done in that situation was arrest us. Yeah. That was the worst thing he could have done. Because how many people would be pissed if you arrested a guy for making a cup of coffee? 
Oh my yeah. gosh, the entire country would be upset, Andy. <laughs> right? And so, and so, what happened was, so we had this coalition also going off this this um, petition. So through our case of them trying to close us, we created a case law. And in our case law, first we created that really these should be handled by civil courts because actually the Lexington Police Department and the sheriff refused to enforce the initial order. Yeah, so that was the very first time I ever heard mm-hmm. of Brood was a Facebook post that the health services called LPD. And they said, nope. And they said, yeah, no. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> they, they, I mean, yeah. so this is what, this is, uh, so comes in, I should get back to the story. Comes in, tries to close me, and I'm like, yeah, I don't want to. And so she leaves, and she calls her supervisor and is like, I, I don't know what to do. And the supervisor was like, I've never been told well, no. go in there and serve them these paperwork and ask them to sign. So she comes in, and they're recording her again, and she's really nervous. She has to come into the kitchen. So I thought, well, maybe she's just there to do her inspection, right? And I'm like, Which know, they never did, correct? Eventually. But I mean, during this whole, while they right, were there, yeah. No. I thought, well, Which is why they here. were there, supposedly. Right. And so I was like, oh, maybe she just wants to do the inspection. So I was like, okay, you know, come on back to the kitchen, right? Yeah. And she just came back there because she was a little nervous about the videotaping. And eh, I understood that. <laughs> and so, you know, and so she's like, all right, I need you to sign this. And I was like, I'm not signing that. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? I just told you I wouldn't close my restaurant. You think I'm going to sign that little piece of paper? <laughs> like, heck no, I'm not doing that. And so she goes, okay, well, I got to call my supervisor. And he said, he'll be out. So she calls her supervisor. And so in the meantime, the have sent up the call. And so we get about 30, 40 people out there. 20 people. Oh, I don't know. How big of a time period was this? You it think? happened I'm over like three hours. So she calls and that's when um, goes up. And is a special kind of So shows up to the situation not wanting to de-escalate at all, right? Like Honestly, so he was on a mission. Yeah, it, it could have been handled a completely different way from the beginning, and maybe I would have reconsidered, you know. But they didn't. They put me in a position where like close now, and I was like, well, I know financially I can't. You know, if they had been like, listen, we're gonna give you a day. We really need you to close. We'll give you a day to like think about it. I could have sat down. I could have considered some things. Called up my parents. Been like, listen, and tell me if I close, which I do. You know, maybe I could have asked the community to help me out. Right. A couple different options, mm-hmm. but they didn't. So shows up ready to, to keep this thing going. Right. And he shows up and he says, you have to close right now, or uh, I'm going to call the police. They're going to come out. They're going to close you and we're going to close you down. And I was like, let's call him. <laughs> use like, my phone. Let's see what happens. <laughs> right? I'm like, let's see what happens. So this tells you that, uh, here's a special kind of, special kind of uh he goes out to his truck now keep in mind you have a guy who's refusing to close whether you realize it or not i am refusing to close because i can't afford to i'm worried about my family right worried about survival and if you come out and close me you're definitely like saying your business is done for right yeah now if i'm closing somebody's business i'm a little remorseful i feel terrible about it 
He goes out to his truck, pulls out a ball and glove, and starts playing catch with himself in the parking lot. I am not kidding you. That is what he did. Are you serious? What? Yeah, I'm dead serious. He pulled out a ball and a glove and was throwing the ball up in the air and catching it. <laughs> As he, in his mind, is waiting on the police oh to come Goodness close gracious. me down. I want to meet this guy. <laughs> I mean, and I'm just like I think he needs a friend with another glove. Like I'm gonna feel bad, you know? Right? I'm like, and he dropped the ball like two, three times. He's chasing across the lot a couple times. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> why? Why is this? Why would you do this? Like of all the things, right? And so he um, he goes out there. He's waiting on the cops. Cops aren't coming. So he comes back in and basically says, well, to my surprise, the cops aren't coming. And as far as we're concerned, you're closed. And he taped a closed sign to my front door. Well, I had a person in there who is currently in is in a lawsuit with the health department um, over uh, that's gone federal now. It's a federal lawsuit. Um, and so they said, you need to ask them for a hearing. So I go, I want a hearing. Apparently, I had to say it out loud, and he's got to acknowledge it. That's that's what I was told. And, and, and so far, uh, that seems to be accurate. Nobody's told me that that was an inaccurate statement. Okay. So I said, you know, I, I need a hearing. I need a hearing. He doesn't acknowledge anything. He puts a sign on the door saying, I'm closed. I, I grab the sign. I follow him out. I'm like, you know, I want a hearing. And he turns on and goes, okay, finally. But now we're out of his truck, okay? Right. And I'm about as far away from him as I am from you. And you'll know this because something happens later on where he mentions how far apart I am from him. So <laughs> I'm holding the clothes on. I'm like, I'm like, I want to hear him. He's like, okay, I heard you. And I was like, what does this mean? What happens if I keep operating? And he wouldn't tell me. I'm like, what does this mean? I, I swear a little bit. I was like, are you going to pay my effing rent? Like, what's this mean, right? He goes, well, you're closed. And I looked around inside and I saw the people inside and I leaned out to him. I was like, I don't feel closed. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't feel very close. I just don't. And, I've, and there's people in there buying things right now. Like, I, I disagree with you that I'm close, right? right? Yeah. And, you know, we're going back and forth. And I actually said something along the lines of, uh, notice how I'm wearing a mask right now and you're not. Because I figured you cared about it. And I respect your personal wishes enough right. that I'm willing to wear a mask for mm. you. And he goes, well, I'm not wearing a mask because we're six feet apart. So tell me how I ever got in his personal space if I'm six feet apart from him. Mm. Right. And he never had to put hey, on a uh, mask. Blake, can you put one of those little ding, <laughs> light bulb things there? <laughs> yeah. That'd be good. Well, yeah. and also, too, let's remember, too, in the court case, when he was being asked about it, he said he never felt threatened enough to call the police back out. So he himself admitted he never felt threatened. So where did he... Um accuse you did it was it a facebook post was it a no it was the news, news started asking and the news is like oh crap it yeah. lowered the health department was like oh crap we got to come up with something to make this guy look bad because right now public sentiment is in his favor so they try to be like well he got a, aggressive and verbally assaulting and that's what they try to run with the news asked me about it I, I i feel like i quashed it pretty easily but of course you know the sensationalism of, right. of, a, of a, oh, he got into an altercation with the, with the health department. But even if it was a lot worse, <laughs> the guy's still closing down my business. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of things that are justified. But mainly, you know, police never came out. Nobody, nothing ever happened. That's really not much of a story there. But they did, you know, lie on under oath when they were in court. But, you know, whatever. Why ruin a good story? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. and, and, and so he leaves. And I posted online, I said something along the lines of, you know, you stop getting your coffee from Brood once they pull me out of here in handcuffs. Well, the news all starts showing up. 
and they start covering it. And then all of a sudden we start getting lines out the door, you know, and the next day we've got lines out the door. We run out of food the next day. Really? We've got lines out the door and then the constables or the, the ABC showed up and pulled my license. So I did stop serving alcohol. And then the constable showed up and served me civil paperwork. And so there's a hearing to be held in like, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks or whatever. But there was an emergency injunctive hearing that was to be heard before that. And that's the hearing that everybody can watch online. And so we keep serving till the hearing. The hearing occurs, and there's a lot of interesting things in the hearing. What I thought was most interesting was, you know, my my attorney brought up the fact that, hey, you know, on a regular basis they host events, so they should be allowed to have at least 25 people in their place. Which they started the judge to ask the question of, wait a second, what is the difference between an event and venue? That's what exactly and a I, note I have on here. Yes. The, the judge started being like, what is the difference? And when asked, the attorney for the health department says, I don't know, I didn't write the order. Yeah, we just enforce it. We just enforce it. Like literally, he was saying himself, "I've no yep. clue." Yep. Like, That's and what at, I got here. Let's, let's keep in mind at that same time. And I thought whenever, whenever that judge said that, I thought this might just be over at this point. It like, might be. I mean, that's what we were like. Maybe it might be. We do yeah. as a long shot to begin with just because we got to think about what you're asking that judge to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what people got to remember. Like when I know a lot of people is this whole voting things going on with, with, with the vote counts and stuff with the presidential election. You got to keep in mind what you're asking judges to do. And sometimes even if maybe something is right or wrong, the the amount of shakeup it would cause would means a lot of judges don't want to touch it at all. So a lot of times they're like, eh. But because keep in mind at the same time, eating food alone does not designate the difference between an event venue and a restaurant. Because at the same time, you could go eat in casinos, you could go eat food and drink food in a theater. Yeah. So like at the same time, you couldn't go get a hot dog at a theater because they couldn't prepare it, but you could go get popcorn and a coke and sit and watch the movie and each popcorn and drink a cup. Mm. And that was fine. <laughs> and so it became very unclear what is an event video and what's not. Um, and so the judge said, well, we got to think about it. Next day, right before the courts were about to close, he issues his thing saying, yeah, I'm going to grant this injunctive order for them to close. However, I'm going to grant your bonds you requested, but not in the amount we requested, which was some ridiculous amount we just picked out of the air, kind of. But was, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but was rather um, a lesser amount of $5,000. Okay, And so for people who don't understand what that means, because a lot of people are very confused on this part, even though it is the most important part about that case, okay, is that a bond in a civil injunctive hearing is granted is 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 a thing you have to kind of post so what they're saying is is an injunctive hearing does not mean we're making a decision over whether or not brood should be open it means we're making a decision on whether or not brood should be closed until the case to hear whether or not brood should be open in that time frame if if we close brood now and then wait those three weeks for the hearing and then it's found that Brood should have been open. Those three weeks has cost Brood that money. And Brood shouldn't have to go and sue the health department to get that money back for those three weeks. Because you're the one asking for the injunctive hearing. So 
what the bond said was that the health department had to post an amount of money to close us for those three weeks. So that way, if it was found in our favor at the hearing, that $5,000 would immediately be ours to pay us for the damages they had occurred to us through the wrongful case over the last three weeks. Does it make sense? It does. But if they won that case, that money would be returned to them. Now, the courts have to hold that money until the case is over. So our bond was rather small. If we had submitted better financial paperwork with it, it probably would have been larger, but we didn't really know how important the bond would come in. Basically, though, it established that if, I don't know, 100 restaurants opened and ignored the order, they literally didn't have the money to close them. And if you can't close all of them, you can't close one of them because now that's selective enforcement. Hmm. So, basically, our case set it up to where even if only 10% of the 1,000 restaurants that signed the petition saying they're going to open at 50%, whether or not you lifted anyways, stayed open, the state couldn't have done anything. So, your $5,000 could have been like a president's for however many other ones they might have tried to right. close. So, if so you, you take that 5000 hundred. And let's say the average bond, because it varies based upon size and, and scope and amount of revenue and stuff. But and, and let's say you submit your financial paperwork too. So let's say we put that and it becomes fifteen thousand is the average bond. They now have to post one point five million dollars in bonds to close down restaurant dining. And they don't mm. that the and keep in mind too, our budgets work in our state, that money has to come from the health department. And the health department's budgets are already set. So they can't just go get more money from the state to yes. post the bond. That is genius. <laughs> and it's at the end of the year. Yeah. So that is genius. Yes. So they they lose their ability to enforce it at all, and that's what became the problem. Was that and and what was quickly realized, and this is kind of what we stumped for elsewhere, is it really doesn't matter if it's legal or not legal or anything else, right? Just like let's take something that that is clearly illegal and should be murder, right? If a million people just start murdering people, there's an enforcement issue. Yep. <laughs> so if a couple hundred or a couple thousand businesses in a state just start being open and say, screw you, there's an enforcement issue now. Right. And it becomes not worth it, especially if public opinion is in the favor of the businesses, or at least 40% of it is, that it doesn't become worth it to enforce it. Yeah. And that's the situation we set it up for in, in, in Kentucky. Wow. We had... A couple of very loud, outspoken places, myself and Beans, that, and, and, you know, I got, I think I got a little more media attention than them. I don't know. But one is we executed um, a good PR response because we didn't argue about whether or not COVID existed. We didn't argue over the numbers. We didn't argue over any of that. We literally just said, you're failing to uh, even take into account restaurants you know they say well we talk to the experts okay if you're closing a restaurant maybe you should call in an expert on restaurants at the same time you're talking to a disease infectious disease specialist because that infectious disease specialist has no idea anything about restaurants yeah right. and they're approaching it from yeah i mean you know obviously people around each other diseases are going to spread so let's close it like that's that's their only thought right. process um and so basically uh, it, it, it set up a situation where he had to reopen. So magically, on the 17th, when his order expired, he reopened. 
to exactly what the petition <laughs> demanded. And when he announced he was reopening, it was the Friday before, it was also the largest number of cases and deaths we've had in a day in Kentucky. Now, I'm not saying that to make light of anything. What I'm saying is, is yeah. he did not, the, the why would science you, why would did you, not support him reopening. That contradicts everything that he's yeah. gone. He mm-hmm. stood against his whole entire time. Right. Because you get the highest number of cases, why are you going to start reopening things? Because he right. realized financially. And he realized it was a losing battle. It. it was going to make him look terrible. Yeah. Because in, here's, here's, here's the so other where's, little secret. So where's his intent? Well, here's the other little secret, too. Part of the reason why we followed the judge's restraining order is because my son's birthday is in like two, three days, and I didn't want to get arrested and miss it. But my son's birthday was over. So I was like, let's go. I mean, yeah. literally, my conversation with my lawyers was keep me under a month, and I'm good. <laughs> I mean, that was it. Yeah. I mean, that, w- that was our conversations. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and they quickly understood that, too, as so there's also an interesting thing that goes over a lot of people's head that don't understand the fact we had criminal attorneys listening to that hearing on our side. I don't know if you guys picked up on that in the hearing yeah. signaled something to everybody else. And it signaled we were maybe willing to take it farther than they expected us to. Yeah. Because we had criminal attorneys sitting there saying, if this goes criminal, I have representation. And in a civil case, the only way it goes criminal is if I in in contempt of the judge's order. I was going to ask about that. Was that a was it just a bluff from the from the system when they? Because I heard that go. I was like, well, we can charge him with well you know, contempt. So so what what can happen is so. They can decide to only do civil contempt, which could be something as small as a fine. It could be something like, okay, go arrest him, and we're holding him in jail. And every day we're sending somebody to be like, are you going to close brood today? (laughs) And if I'm like, no, (laughs) then, you know, okay, you're in jail for another day. And then they leave, right? So every day brood would operate, I'd be sitting in jail. Or they could go as far as to... um close down the business anyways and go out and put chains on the door and things like that. And then charge me with criminal contempt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so that was part of the discussion as well. So there's some charges in there. They could get in there. There was, um, just like they dropped them, but they tried to charge Richard with operating a business without a license, which is a, uh, operating a, a, health, a restaurant without a health department license, which is, is, yeah. is a crime. Um, but, what we did was a little more eloquent than mm-hmm. just saying, no, we're not going to follow the order. So we looked at the order. We looked at the mandate. And we said, you know what? By taking away your food license, you are now an event venue. And you can eat inside event venues. Thank you. <laughs> Insert. Ding. <laughs> Light bulb. And so, you yeah. know. If a food truck or wherever you get food from just shows up outside and you buy food from it, you can go inside, sit down and eat it. Mm-hmm. And so somehow the next day, a food truck knew to show up. And it also uh, was very kind enough to hire our staff to work for wow. it. It also uh, bought from us our coffee equipment, but then sold it back to us at the end of the day. Our coffee equipment. Wow. And so, yeah, the food truck, and it's a smart business move. I mean, I also would start selling coffee 
out of my food truck as well if I was outside of a coffee shop that was no longer a coffee shop, right? right yeah. yeah, makes sense. But the problem is they didn't bring cups. But we had cups. Mm. Oh, that so worked. people, yeah, yeah. yeah pe- people would come in and they could buy a cup from us. I mean, I don't know why they want our cups so much, but, you know, supply and demand. So we start, right. started charging like two, three bucks for the cup. Yeah. But then, like, you know, the food trucks... I mean, they felt bad charging for the coffee considering they didn't have cups. Mm. So they were just telling people if you had cups, you could just have the coffee, you know. And so just a real that's, interesting situation. That's neat how that works out. I Are know. You, can you tell us the name of this food truck that showed up? Oh, geez. There's a couple different ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, we've. I mean, Kyle's, uh, Kyle's Kitchen okay. was gonna, one. Yeah, I'm going to go support these guys. Uh, Boston's Way was uh, another and burgers and more was the third one. And so, yeah, they would, uh, you know, show up and, you know, they were, uh, they were, uh, yeah, uh, were able to show up and, and sell food there. So, which then caused the news to show up and be like, hold on, <laughs> are you breaking the judge's order? And I was like, no, no, I'm following it. I am not preparing. We're serving food. Well, the health department calls up my lawyer and goes, hey, your guy has a food truck in front of his place. And my lawyer responds with, oh, sounds like something he would do. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, they go, well, he can't do that. My lawyer's like, what do you mean? They're like, "Uh, he he can't have people. um, He can't can't do that. He's, He's a restaurant. He can't have people in there eating. He goes, no, 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 no. He's an event venue. They're like, no, he's a restaurant. He's a restaurant. You know, and he's like, how can he be a restaurant? He took away his food license. (laughs) And so so every day a food truck showed up and we'd let people know that it it showed up through creative means. Every day the governor was asked why people were still allowed to eat inside a restaurant, now event space. And he couldn't come out and say, because I wrote a order (laughs) and so you know i believe there's one time where he said well they think they found a way around the law but you know good luck with the liabilities he said something like that on one of his uh, about us and um so the health department realizing this was turning into a nightmare for them begged my lawyer to give us back our food license (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this, what and this, so what a turn of events yeah, huh? <laughs> about that <laughs> and so about three four days three days before the mandates to indoor dining was supposed to lift and we knew the governor had already said he wasn't going to renew it if he had we would have been talking a different story but three four days beforehand um, we entered into a deal with the health department and they gave us back our food license and we couldn't do dine in for like three days. Yeah. And you know, three days is a lot shorter than three weeks. And you know, I, I did want to have a business on the other side of it. And so I said, okay. And you know, it was partly part of the agreement was, you know, the food truck shenanigans had to stop and everything else. And so I was like, I don't own those food trucks. I don't know what you're talking about, but <laughs> anyways, and so, you know, we now have our food license back. We sell coffee every day, everything else. We don't have our alcohol license back. That's only because that's a little bit more of a process, but we'll get that back too. And, um, and what, uh, but then the governor and the, so, so the case is between us and the county, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so the county declined to try to ask to hold us in contempt for the whole food truck shenanigans. But the state of cabinet and health and family services and the governor really wanted me to be held in contempt and wanted that to go to case. And so they filed to intercede onto the, onto the case. Um, they had actually uh, misfiled their paperwork. <laughs> Shocker. And so it got bounced to like another week anyways. And then by the time it got bounced, the mandates had lifted. And the judge was like, no. Nah. <laughs> judge is like, I'm not going to let you get involved. It's over now. He, he has his food license back. He entered into a deal with the county. So, no, you can't get involved in the case. So the entire thing was dismissed. Awesome. And so let's recap what happened. Um, governor issues mandate. I don't close. I then essentially operate for three weeks anyways. I then get my food license back and open indoor dining for the whole rest of the state <laughs> through the process. Here, here, man. That is awesome. So when we sit there and we make jokes about winning, like, you know, I, I cut a video where I was dropping some coffee off to the governor yes. where I said, you know, better luck next time, love brood in the note. We actually did like win. Like, yeah. it, right. we may not have won in, in court in the traditional sense. And that was something I had to ask is do you feel like that everything got dropped because it was coming up on that 12 13 2020 date well but now that you remember but now that you renew the order right but now that you explain it right he didn't yeah. renew the order even though he had higher numbers than he did before because of things we were doing right yeah and um so that yeah so it it feels like a win i mean let's call space right. beta I operated for three weeks right. okay. and my business is still here which more importantly and this is why we speak in some different places now yeah. is we have the ability to say nothing happened to me we operated and nothing happened they can't do anything and they can't do anything because you have a weird mix of law enforcement saying, I really don't want to get involved. Yeah. Legislators who really don't like it. Judges who really don't want to get involved at this point. You have a mixed feelings amongst the public yeah. where they feel differently about it. And so it's created this situation where you can't really actually do anything if people just don't do it. And so basically we go around talking about what would happen if X amount of places in your state stood up and said no. And what we're finding in a lot of these states, there is a lot of businesses that are open. The thing is, is they're not enforcing anything on them yeah. because they don't want to turn it into a shit show like Andy Bashir did with us. So are you getting a lot of requests from other states as well? So um, it's, it's a little mixed. So here's the problem. If I get asked by an individual business to be like, okay, I want you to come help open our state. My first question I always ask that business is, are you ready to go to jail? Because if you're not going into this prepared to go to jail, you're not going into this prepared enough to say, I'm going to be very, very public about this. Because that's part of the problem. You have to be very public that you are open. Yeah. Because it forces the media to start covering you. And it forces the media to start asking the police, the sheriffs, the governors, why is this place open? And if they aren't doing anything about it, then that goes into the media is like, these places are open and nothing's happening. 
which will cause others to open. If, however, they do start to do something, you can now execute our situation where right. you can basically, what's called space paid. We trolled the governor into opening up our state. And so you can basically troll your governor into opening Crafty. up your state by executing a, a situation where you have good PR mixed with um, right messaging, right? Mixed with um, sp- telling the truth about what's going on and making sure small business is being heard. And you also need a, a, an attorney. Who, I mean, to give you an idea of how fantastic my attorney was, Chris Weiss, they cited us for mass violations. And they cited us for one. The first one they cited us for, and then they followed up the next day, cited us for the second one. It was like a $50 ticket. And my attorney was like, we want a jury trial. <laughs> I mean, he's like i want a hearing <laughs> like over a 50 dollars ticket we were prepared to put six yeah. people into the jury box and be like how do you feel about mass <laughs> and the health department was like we really don't want this argument <laughs> because it gets it gets really iffy so i'll give you an example of why we were cited once again all my staff wear masks so we were cited because there's a person in there not wearing a mask now let's remember HIPAA law states, if you say you have an exemption, I have to take you at your yeah, word. Yeah. I can't dig into it any more than that. Right. But the health department comes out and says, well, listen, if you provide reasonable accommodation, then they have to wear a mask in here. So what reasonable accommodation in the health department's world is if I offer curbside for my coffee, then I have to require a mask to anybody who walks in because if you want my coffee, I can just run it out to you. Now, first off, let's remember, I'm not just selling coffee. I'm selling a community space you can sit in. And also, at the same time, I'd also love to know where that uh, interpretation of reasonable accommodation was when we were putting in wheelchair ramps. But <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but as well, I, I have a, a, a gentleman that I know very well. His name's... Uh, if you guys know who that is, you should have him on. He's a retired Green Beret. He lives in Lexington. Um, him and his wife own Robertson Health Food. And he uh, he has a mask exemption. Now, St. Joe issued it right before St. Joe was told by administration that they could no longer issue mass exemptions. So these hospitals are being told that even if a person would normally qualify for a mask exemption, to not issue it. What? Okay? Yes. And so he's got a lawsuit he's working on against St. Joe because he could no longer see his primary practitioner and his psychologist because he can't wear a mask based upon the mask exemption he was issued to by them before this. But because he can't wear a mask, they can no longer see him. What? Well. And so what? And so when I told this health department lady, I said, you know, what you're asking me to do now, does anybody want to know why? doesn't has a mass exemption because he got blown up serving his country yeah and has uh some issues where he can't wear one he also has hearing aids he's got an eye patch because he, he lost an eye and because he got blown up serving his country he now can't come into my coffee shop and drink a cup of coffee that's what they're asking me to do and i was like i'm not gonna do that Right. And it got so bad with the health department. I had to threaten to call the police to get them to leave. Wow. Really? They were literally standing at our door laying hands on our on our on our customers that were coming in without a mask. And they would say, You can't come in here without a mask. And they're like When was this? 
Was this, this was this was they they came out to do their reinspection about three days before the mandate lifted. They came out to do the reinspection for our opening. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> there was some disconnect going on between the higher ups and the lawyer at the health department and these people, because the higher ups and the lawyer at the health department was like, "Listen, we want them to pass because if they don't, they keep doing this BS and we keep getting in trouble." Right. But these people came out and they were taking it personal because, of course, of the issue that occurred with the other inspectors. There's only four inspectors in the entire city of Lexington. So we've so far met two of them and the other two were the ones out here doing the inspection. And so they came out and I was not there. And I did that on purpose because I didn't I didn't want to, you know, create any kind of issues. So my wife was there. They came out and they did their inspection and we got a 99 out of 100 and they cited us for a crumb in a bin that they said you we would store food in it even though it was an empty like gray dishes bin. I was like, what? a crumb in it and we got cited for um, dishes being improperly dried because the two uh, bins we used to like uh, do coffee were uh, had some droplets of water in them. So that's what we got. Cited How for. dare you? I know. <laughs> Filthy. You lost my support. That is, um, that is uh, a danger no, to public health. Um, so water drop. So we got a ninety-nine of a hundred, which is still pretty good. And then after they write it out, a customer had walked in, and we served them, and they go, uh, "They need to put on a mask," or no, 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 no. Sorry. It started first with them saying, your sign on your door isn't correct. And so my wife pulls out a thing and says, what do you want me to write? They're like, well, I think I have one out in the car, but if people come in, you know, you got to require a mask. My wife is like, listen, show me in the order where if a person has a medical exemption, uh, they're not allowed to come into the building. It doesn't exist. But they're like, show it to me. Be bad the health department against lady, people with disabilities, wouldn't it? It sounds a lot like it. And we kept saying hmm. that word. So you're asking me to discriminate. She's like, I don't like that word. Of course they don't. <laughs> That's what They're like, is. can we use a different word? And mm-hmm. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, so they go, I was like, find us the order. They pulled out. I'm not kidding you. They pulled out an email from several months ago. From somebody else at the health department telling them that's how it was. And they said, see? And I was like, geez, last time I checked, a memo doesn't write laws. <laughs> right, yeah. I, was like, I was like, I don't think that's the case. And so um, we were like, no, we're not going to deny service. And so they were hanging out outside. Somebody came in not wearing a mask. And they got like in this person's face. And they started arguing with my customer. Over their mask mandate or exemption. My customer's like, no, I have a mask exemption. And they're like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Those don't exist. <laughs> and it's just, it just, they got into it. And I'm like, and then she starts like, I guess, sitting right by the front door and started like attacking every customer that came in without a mask and was like physically blocking them and like putting hands on them. And my wife finally was like, listen, I'm, I'm going to have to call the police if you don't leave. And so they left. Because they've done their inspection, so now you need a warrant. Um, right. <laughs> and so they left. They came back the next day, cited us again for someone else not wearing a mask. And so we said, well, we'd really like hearings on this. And so they dropped it, saying mm. that as long as when somebody came in not wearing a mask, we said something like, I see you're not wearing a mask. I'm going to assume you have a medical exemption. Yeah. Basically, exactly what our sign says. Yeah. Right. And is that in the order, executive order that you must 
verbally say, nope. I am assuming that you have a medical condition. No, it is not. Exactly. It is not. No, and that's, and that, and that's part of the problem, too. You can't this just is, whip up rules. And, and, and this is what I'm pointing out, too. This is the precedent we're setting, and this is what scares me the most about how much inactiveness we're seeing from our state legislator. Yeah. And some of them want to do things, and a lot of them don't want to do things. But there was a video that I sent that it was this, it was this guy, and he was talking, and he said, you know, COVID killed my son. Yeah, I've seen that. But it wasn't COVID. The kid hung himself. Right. You know, and that is such a tragedy. And it's stuff that we see. And until our, these government leaders start having empathy, like we talked about, and they're held accountable, I don't, I don't. I well, don't. those those well, statistics are out there. Like suicide yeah. rates have gone mm-hmm. through the roof, overdoses, yeah. uh, child abuse cases. You know, they're just well, exploded. And here's the thing pride comes before the fall, and that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can't. It's crappy to say this, but it's not popular to say, oh, sorry, I was wrong the last 10 months. Yeah. You can't say that. Right. You know, and, and, and let's take a look at closing private schools. What do you think, Andy, closed private schools? You think it's because the teacher unions were putting pressure on him to close private schools because people were switching over to private schools, leaving public schools because they want their kid to go to school? Yeah. Possibility, and who and and that's who mm-hmm. got Andy elected was the Teacher, teachers yeah. unions. Yeah. So you know, do you know about the town of Bristol, Tennessee? I know what about it. it. So literally down the middle of downtown Bristol, Tennessee, is a street called State Street. One half is Tennessee, one half is Virginia. Virginia is on lockdown. Tennessee is wide open. Mm. The town of Virginia, Bristol, Virginia, is being decimated. It's literally going bankrupt. Meanwhile, Bristol, Tennessee has a surplus on the year. Yeah. Because people are literally walking right across the street. Now, I have to ask you, as a governor of Virginia, maybe you make a special allocation for that town. Because it just makes you look ridiculous that I can literally go across the street, sit down, drink, eat, have a good time, go across the street, can't do a single thing. It's literally just crossing the street. Well, I mean, the same, it's been happening like that. The whole time, because people's been going to Nashville mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. out. I to mean, eat look at Louisville. Go to Indiana. Right. People yeah. cross, cross, the cross the river, river Indiana. Yeah. Louisville is dying because yeah. and Indiana's growing. Yeah. yeah, and it's like stop and think. Leave it up to these towns to make a couple decisions too. I'm sorry, but the local restaurant in town doesn't need to close because Lexington's having an outbreak or Louisville's having right. an outbreak. Louisville's got a sp- anyway. So well, yeah. you know, he's, he's a big problem. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't been removed yet. No. I mean, but, you know, anyways, the way we're approaching this is is not a way. And that's where I'd spoke earlier. If we'd approached this from the beginning with that Fifth Amendment takings clause idea, where if we close a business, we have to compensate it. If we close something for greater good, if we take your property for greater good, Fifth Amendment takings clause, we have to compensate you for it. Okay? It doesn't say the government can't take your stuff for greater good. It says you have to be compensated. If we looked at it that way, we wouldn't be just looking at things town by town. We'd be looking at it in, in industry by industry. We'd be looking at it from place to place. If I know if I close that, the government's got to come up with 20 grand, I'm, I'm going to, one, pay for people to check to see what's safe, and two, I might suddenly start investing in technologies like, hey, if, if this ventilation system add-on works, which you know somebody dropped one off to me... Get what it's called it's like rmo or something like that but they dropped one off to me to check out i haven't done anything with it 
But if that works and it's just a plug-in that you just put into your ventilation system and now you don't have to wear masks in the place and you don't and it cuts down supposedly COVID from six feet to three feet because it ionizes the air. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. But anyways, you understand what I'm saying though. I got you. Um, if those technologies exist, which apparently they do, because they're leaving open these large venues and airplanes and stuff, right. using that as a defense. Maybe you should be paying for that inside these businesses instead of paying for 20, 30, 40, 50 grand in EIDL loans and then unemployment and all these other things. It seems just like that would have been a much better solution. Did they the put start. those in the strip clubs that stayed open? That's what I was just thinking, man. <laughs> no, no. No, I heard they do a lot of I heard they do a lot of testing in the strip clubs. Yeah. Um I just I just heard recently though they added COVID onto their testing regimen. Um, they were just testing before, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what's oh, funny is on stuff. Facebook, um, somebody started uh, um, commenting on things. Uh, this lady who's, uh, uh, she used club girl, is their preferred words, right? So was like, oh, you're attacking strip clubs, which I was not attacking strip clubs. Okay, let's be very clear. Um, there was something else that was open the entire time, hookah bars. But those are more locally owned and, and things like that. So I wasn't attacking saying strip clubs should be closed. I'm saying everything should be open. But I'm pointing out the arbitrariness of it. But she got yeah. upset. And she started being like, oh, you're going to be real upset when you got a bunch of club girls protesting out in front of your coffee shop. It's like, so you're going to take my coffee shop, put a bunch of strippers out in front of <laughs> protesting? And I don't have to pay you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> this might help business. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, between noon and five is best. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, man. People, like, people, people cherry pick. And that's the problem. They pick yeah. who they want to apply to the rules. And well, and what's crazy, too, is when you think that we are getting hate online literally a week prior for doing something that a week later was perfectly fine. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Right. We were getting hate for something that a week prior was fine that now a week later is not fine. Yeah. And then you want to sit there and be like, well, so like, for an example, there's an entity that's trying to kick us off of it because of what we did. And they said, well, you know, you disobeyed the governor's orders. And that's like the reasoning behind it. Like, well, you disobeyed the governor's orders. You can't do that. And I'm like, well, um, let me ask you something. Do you know why indoor dining's open now? And she's like, yeah. And I, and I kind of told her the whole story about it, too, to make sure she understood. She's like, yeah, I, I see that. I recognize that. I'm like, okay, if we were able to troll the governor into opening up indoor dining, what was his original order based on then? Like if his orders are that malleable, Sincere, if, they're, yeah. if they're if they're that easy to change, <clears throat> that we were able to change it, you got to ask yourself a question. Like, you know, do they really matter in the first? Like, like if that makes sense, that mental connection isn't mm -hmm. being made. Yeah. So to kind of wrap this up, I guess, how can what resource do you have for other people to reach out if their business is struggling? Like sure, what, sure. Like, what can they do? Because I think that's the thing is, like, you know, what it because who knows what the future is going to hold. It may start getting worse later. It may. And they'd it may. be like, hey, I need I need some resource now so I can start planning ahead. Right. So what can so, they do there? So here's the thing. And I, and I like I said, I made, a, I made a post on our social media about this. So because of this, and a lot of businesses don't want to get involved in the quote-unquote politics of a situation. Right. Which... I completely agree with. I myself don't. In fact, when I go into other businesses, I mainly wear a mask, not because I think necessarily they work great or I, I, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it, but mm -hmm. mainly because I don't want that business 
to be put into a political situation yeah. where where they're having to make a stand one way or another. And so, and I understand that. So one thing is, is, um, you know, we, we can't, we don't need to be quiet anymore because we don't need to worry about offending people because we already have offended whoever we're going to offend, right? Right. And, uh, and a lot of businesses are viewing us as a mouthpiece for their concerns. Yeah. And I understand why, because we've thrown that off. We can be vocal. So one is, is if, if there's a specific problem you're having in your industry, anywhere in the U.S., or a mandate, or a government overreach, whether it's COVID-related or not, send us a message if you need some attention brought to it, and we'll draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing we'd said is, listen... Activism, activism type companies is not new. You got Ben and Jerry's, you got Starbucks, you got Nike, right? Uh, you, you've got every single business went online during, um, you know, the the Black Lives Matter uh, protests and and made some statement about race or or you know protested um, advertising on Facebook or mm-hmm. changed the profile picture yep. black or they get a black you know the black uh, mm-hmm. square right. or you know, give to certain charities or, or give to certain causes they believe in, right? And so I said, you know, that's not new. So we're doing the same thing. We're getting more directly involved. And also at the same time, uh, you know, one side of this discussion has had people involved, companies involved in this culture war, just about every company involved in the culture war. Now you kind of have another place that's getting involved in the culture war. We are from the other side. The only difference between us and them is we are forced into it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what we're advocating for is for you to not be forced to do anything, yeah. right? So um, if, if, if you have any concerns about that, contact us. We can shine light on it, one. Two, we are willing to, like, where we're going to Minnesota, we're going to things, or I've talked to some certain businesses that are, that are willing. We will come help you. We won't even just try, help you raise funds and, and, you know, a lot of people who buy our coffee, things like that, that are supporting us so you know most of that money is going towards, you know, like things like getting out here, giving money to these other or yeah. fights that people are having. That's where it's going. Um, you know, we, we're not trying to necessarily profit off anything. We're just trying to keep uh, the fight kind of going in these people in, in places, too, that are more affected than us. But we can bring light. We can bring resources. We have a network of attorneys we work with now. Um We've been through the fight, and that's the thing: is a lot of these groups that are trying to reopen, or lawyers that talk about it, and 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 some come to mind like constitutional law, things like that. They're not business owners, right? <clears throat> you know, me being a business owner, right. I can help you. I mean, there's one that got there out in California. They got their license pulled because out in California can't do outdoor dining even right now. Yeah, and they got their license pulled because individuals had bought food from them, set outside on a public bench that's like cemented into the ground ate it and then the health department saw it and pulled their license unreal and i called them up and i said listen that makes me angry i'm it, sorry but it, it just it does it pisses yes, you off. yes. Yeah. you're like what the heck is wrong with people kind so of country we live in i know so i called them up so they're still operating without a license but they're only doing to go still and i called them and i said listen open to indoor dining one I can, I'll bring staff. I'll come work the line with you if I have to. So one, being a restaurant owner, sometimes you get overloaded with business or you don't, or your, or your staff will quit. Maybe you're worried about that. Right. Um, so basically by saying, Hey, listen, I'm a business owner. I have run a restaurant. I can bring other staff with me. I can come out. 
me and my wife, you know, like I can come out there and help you just work the line even yeah. can help. Um, two, saying, hey, we will give. So the offer I made to them was, uh, you know, I'll donate $500 into your legal defense fight and I'll help you find an attorney to work pro bono for you on this if you're willing to open to indoor dining. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we off, offered too to come out and we'll help the other restaurants in the area kind of get the petition thing going and, and see if we can get some other ones to open up, right? And so we're waiting to hear back from them, but that's an example of kind of what we're doing. That's kind okay. of your mission. Yeah. How, how can they contact you? What number? What? Just go to well, the you know, website? You, or yeah, just... you can go to our website. Shoot us okay. an email. You can, you can go to okay. our Facebook page, message us. If you want to buy our coffee, you can go to broodco.com okay. or shop.broodco.com. We can put a link um, below. Too, yeah. So. Um, and you can buy our coffee. You can support us there yeah. and, and our mission of what we're doing. And then on top of that, too, as well, you know, we we also want to help with different disaster reliefs and things like that as well. So just really volunteering into our community. And like I said, we're not just going to donate money to this random charity or something and then right. pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, we That's not what we need right now. Our chambers of commerce are failing us. Our associations are failing us. They're not right. doing anything. What we need is businesses like ours who have thrown off the facade, you could say, or have, have been forced into this fight in such a way that uh, we can be very much more vocal than you can as a business owner. And we can represent your wants, your needs, your wishes for you and, and basically demand some action for you. So that's kind of what we're doing. Obviously, you know, this is new to us, so it's a changing kind of mm-hmm. thing. But the number one thing we want to do is get states open, all states open to 50% dining ASAP. Right. So, um, and, and, and the hardest part about that, honestly, is finding a restaurant <laughs> willing, willing to be to vocal. Yeah. Yeah. About being open, yeah. There, there, there's so many of them that are open, but there's got to be so many that was in your position had nothing to lose, right? You know, right. There's they got to be out there, right? But the problem is, is like I, <clears throat> the only difference between me and them was maybe I, um, the only difference between me and them, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know what would happen when I pushed back, and maybe they're worried about if they push back something. Worse is going to happen to them than losing their business. Maybe right. they think they're yeah. going to lose their business and go to jail, right? Um, and that is something that that you know a business owner coming alongside of saying, "I will not let that happen." Um, the community will not let that happen. Right. You will not permanently lose your business. Period. It won't happen. Right. Yeah. Um, that can certainly help out. All right. Well. Um so they can they can get in contact with you on your website. They can get in contact with you through social media, if need be. And I think we need to kind of you know I, I want to put this out there too. I mean, this is not just a, a CYA thing at all. I want people to know that we don't take the COVID virus lightly. You know, yeah, I we think see it every day. We we yeah. we do. We see we it deal every with day. COVID. Yeah, I've seen very sick people from it. I've seen people who have it that have no idea they even have it <laughs> you know what i'm saying like there's this the spectrum is broad but this the purpose of this as this podcast is to focus on what can we do to adapt and overcome to get 
to still maintain our own income, to still be able to support our families, to still keep this country open, to still keep our states open. That's well, if you notice, I didn't say fully open, no mandates. Right. I said fifty yeah. percent. Yeah. You're right. right. Yeah. I yeah. said, you know, hey, we, we got to keep right. people six feet apart. Yeah, and we, we you know, even with us, you know, with our organization, our job is to provide even medical training, mm-hmm. is to provide first responder training, is to be able to provide training for the communities to be prepared for a mass disaster. But even some of the government agencies that give that certification. They they say you can't hold in person training right now. Yeah. So even with our business, as much as what we want to do, we can't even give a certification because we're and limited hate by for that. A disaster to happen that people are yeah. training. Exactly. You know. So so that's kind of why we're doing these podcasts. Yeah. We're trying to increase awareness to these things so mm-hmm. changes can happen. So anything else that you got that you want to share? No, with no, nothing, nothing really. I, I thank you so much for coming on seriously oh, well, thank you like for your time. you you gave it yourself you gave it your time you came down here with us and hopefully this podcast will definitely help people all across this country mm-hmm. even across the world because this podcast is in other countries and we want other people to know that maybe you can look back on this and adapt it to your situation mm-hmm. whatever you can possibly do because so many people are suffering yeah. and we want to try to help those people that's our goal here absolutely so all right guys support brood Honest to goodness, I'm not just saying this. This is got to be the best coffee I've tasted. And I'm not joking. I've never had poured over coffee until I had it at your store, and I was like, holy smokes, that is so good. It's it's good coffee. It's delicious. And We, we took time to f- figure out our beans and everything else. Yeah. We, did, we did put it care in. You can definitely tell. Well, and I think that's part of what works so well with this. It wouldn't have happened so well if our coffee sucked. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, when you came in today, you were like, "Oh no, you got too much acidity. You got to do this. You got to do this many grams." And I was like, "What?" But once your 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 coffee was better than mine, I'll give you that. So I don't yeah. know. Your most recent one was better. Oh, thank See, you. That was, that was better. If you ever want a job, just I, I, I got it. <laughs> But we thank you, man. We really appreciate it. We'll put a link to uh, your uh, your store below. Sarah, whatever you all go and want to buy coffee, want to buy gear, supplies, whatever, that goes to them. They can turn around and have outreach to help other people as well. Absolutely. So it's not just going to their pocket. It's going to help other people and help this Absolutely. country to reopen. Yeah, if you're looking for a new coffee to support, you know, yes. after the black rifle thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast, too. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, you know, I was not saying like it happened, yeah. to, you know, at the perfect time, you know. That's, yeah. uh, yeah, that's I, I stopped supporting Black Rifle and immediately found Brood and yeah. Yeah. worked out perfect. It's unbelievable. So check well, it out, you know. guys. Really check it out. It's good. Um, I got this one uh, at your shop, and then you brought this one down today. And mm-hmm. that, that one's uh, new. Yeah, the 1776. Uh-huh. That uh, French roasted. Yeah, I got your uh, <laughs> French roasted seventeen seventy six. I got some of the K cups while I was there last time, and they were yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, the Kenyan yeah. K cups. Yeah. Oh yeah, Kenyan's a good. Yeah. One. Well, good deal. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. what you do. Thanks for taking a stand uh, for not only your employees, but for Kentucky and for the country. Uh, last question, put you on the spot. You didn't know I was going to ask this. You ready? Yeah. You ever thought about running for public office? Um, I have been approached. Mm. I oh, didn't expect that um, answer. <laughs> you know, it's it's something to think about. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't go to like college or anything, so I'm kind of. But at the same time, I think some people that do go to college in their office are, <laughs> have proven a, that's not right, what it's yeah, about. So much about <laughs> what is I worry maybe I don't have enough experience, and then I look at Andy and I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> might have but, a shot uh, here. I might. I don't know. We'll we'll see. You know, we'll see which whichever way I feel I can make. Most amount of change. There you go. 
what's that movie with uh, Jim Carrey where he's trying to hit on that girl and she's like he's like what's my odds she's like one in a million he's like so you're saying I got a chance dumb and dumber yeah dumb and dumber, so yeah. you're saying I got a chance yeah. that's right there it is so anyway I, and I, I want to point out you know, a couple of lessons um, number one that sometimes all it takes is just being vocal yeah. to to prevent or to stop that government overreach Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, just do what's right. You know, if, if you do something that's right, I, other people will follow, even if they're not being loud about it. Yeah. Our last one, we just recorded a podcast last week, exact, You're right. exact line from our podcast. Yep. Um, yeah, and so, you know that quote. You know, the only thing necessary for evil to to prosper is for good men do nothing. Do nothing. So right. if we just sit back and take it, they're gonna they're gonna take right. it. You know, um, it's not about overthrowing the government. It's about standing up for your rights and yeah. letting the government be represented by the people's wants yeah. and the right. people's needs and what the people are voting for yeah. and want. You well, know? So that's what it's about. Just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right. And just because something is illegal absolutely. doesn't mean it's wrong. Exactly. And then sometimes you you can fight a better fight when you've got nothing else to lose mm-hmm. versus you, when your opponent's got, you know, something to lose. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. <clears throat> Good deal. So. For sure. All right, guys, that's it for us. You can check Five Stone out at fivestoneusa.com. Uh, again, the number five, fivestoneusa.com on the social media sites as well. Our podcasts are open up on everywhere now Apple, Amazon, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, all share of them. It. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Please. Subscribe, share. I, I always forget to say that. Subscribe, share because that's like the only it. way the word's going to get out. Review it if you're on Apple Podcasts. Yes, we yeah, do need. Yeah. Yeah. More reviews, thumbs up, like, shares, whatever. Yeah, we love the comments. Listen, reviews. don't be yeah. a jerk. Don't listen to the whole thing and then don't share it. Like, that's kind of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, that's just shady. Yeah. Do the right thing. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> do what your heart tells you the right thing, like, you know, clicking the buttons and shit. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Till next time. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. This has been a production of Five Stone. I'd like to thank you guys for taking the time to check out our podcast and videocast today. You can check us out online at fivestoneusa.com. That's the number five, fivestoneusa.com. We are also on all the social media platforms. Our podcasts are now live. Videocasts are on YouTube, and our audio podcasts are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, all the major podcast platforms. Thank you, guys. Again, we cannot thank you much for all your support and all that you do for us. Remember, prepare, respond, and serve, because someday you might be that first responder.